spitting fire at the start of this podcast. I mean, just the fact that the word reality is in that <laughs> name. It's so fucking ludicrous. Uh, fuck it. Great. This is one of those podcasts that starts with me just depressed. Mm-hmm. That's every podcast. Awesome. Let's For- do it. Fortunately, we do have some good Buffy episodes to talk about. We have some great Buffy episodes. I just want to go back to the 90s. <laughs> Not that things were, you know, amazing, but still. <laughs> Clinton years, the peace dividend. Yeah. Can you imagine stuff. the 90s being like, what's up? I'm a time traveler. I just came through a portal. It's 30 years from now, Donald Trump will be president. You'd be like, ha! Well, the, the, the 2000 election was such a milquetoast affair. It was basically just like, how, how should we spend all this money we have? We're yeah. just like we're just got it coming in left and right. Like, what should we do with it? And now, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, should we start the pod? Yeah. Why not? Hello, and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. I'm Marco. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm great. You got me in a real happy mood. Good, good. What's your what's your COVID threat level today? How are you feeling? <laughs> well, it was like seven before we started. Mm-hmm. That's now it's nine. I mean, you had to expect that to happen, right? I, yeah. I I'm guessing we're gonna go over a hundred at some point in the next two weeks. Like hundred per day. Yeah. I just uh, so we were uh, the highest prior to a couple of days ago in our county was 28 a day. And, and that, then the that other was day, a big spike. Yeah, that was a big spike. And then one day I just clicked on it a couple of days ago and it said 41. And I was just in my office yelling, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can beat it. Of course. Of course you can beat it. Yeah. What's the ooh, what's the hospital count like? What's the death count? Still only 11 deaths, supposedly. Mm. Uh, but 20, 20 people in the hospital now. Oh, Jesus. For a long time, it was like low single digits in the hospital here. Yeah. Love that GIS, baby. They, they can tell you like where, mm-hmm. like rough down, like your city. I love that. Need more information to freak out at two. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your COVID threat level? Are you at midnight yet? I'm, I'm always at threat level midnight. Hmm. Or, I don't know. I've. Went to drop some stuff off at my parents' house for Father's Day. And I don't know. I was a little weary doing that. You know, we stay far away from each other. We wear masks. Word. The whole thing. But still. Word. Anyhow. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think so. Uh, before we get into Buffy. I'll do the usual chat about what we're uh, watching, listening to, etc. What are you watching? Well, Buffy, uh, I watched uh, the first episode of All Be Gone in the Dark. I watched Perry Mason. And I finally watched My my Sweet Baby Dark, my German sci-fi show. It's the final so season. The, I, I assume they dropped like the whole season? Yeah, yeah. How, how did it grab you? How did it end? Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I'm still kind of processing it because there's, God, there's even more incest than, than before. Mm-hmm. Um, because it deals a lot with you uh, have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. It started with these like three different generations of these these people living in this small mm-hmm. town. And it turns out everyone's just fucking each other. Didn't I tell you this like a year ago that it's like everyone's fucking each other? Well, but it's like it's like you're uh, the guy that you previously were just upset with because he stole your girlfriend in high school. 
he's also now your great great grandfather mm-hmm. <laughs> um and there's like there's a classic i mean i don't know if you're if you're a dark person if you haven't gotten to like season two skip over like the next 30 seconds but like season two ends with like the reveal that one girl's daughter is also her mother uh-huh. and it's like once your brain allows for that time travel or not you can just build on expand i don't know it's just the last episode there's like this weird war between alternate universes and then like the second to last episode the very end they're just like here's the thing that created it all that we've never talked about before and so the last episode that's going to be your mission is to defeat that um and then i don't know it, it like i said i just it gave me kind of the same vibe after when i finished mr robot and i was just like how do i feel about this yeah especially the way mr robot had the what felt like the alternate universe for the last two and a half episodes it was like kind of the tease but then like no psych just kidding yeah well it's like and you would have been okay with it if it was this thing that they had been building towards for years and then it wasn't Mm -hmm. um there's a there's a great moment in the in the last the very last scene of dark because there's a guy who has a certain physical deformity he kind of reminds me of the crispin glover joke from time travel or hot tub time time machine hot tub time machine yeah where you you keep waiting to see him get his like arm cut off yeah yeah and so this guy like he's like finally about to tell the story about his physical deformity and then something happens it's Mm -hmm. i don't know that's got to be the best joke in hot tub. Uh, well, when he's like juggling the chainsaws. He wanted to say hot tub murder mystery for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's that's, well, that's a, a script. Yeah, we need to write that. Surely it'd be better than the sequel they made to that movie. One of one of you partiers is gonna kill me. Yeah. Once I turn off the the pool lights, I turn it <laughs> like, back on. Hey man, this is the part where you tip the guy. <laughs> No, just picture the you turn off the pull lights, you turn it back on, and the host is just like floating face down. Yeah, in the hot one tub. of the people in the hot tub is dead, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so the Christmas Glover one, he's like juggling the chainsaws. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like and then he waiting like, for his arm to he go like off. slips and falls and it lands right next to him, and they're like, Oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you become Rob Cordry in that, that movie. Uh-huh. Uh what do you think about Perry Mason so far? Um it's fine. It's not, there's no, like I, I could it's, not. It's real true detective dreamland edition or whatever. Yeah. There's nothing in like episode two that like made it. So I have to go watch episode three. I'll put it that way. I like Tatiana Maslany. I like him. I don't know. Not enjoying that character would be like an understatement. I guess just like, I'm like not about those kind of people. So I don't really want to spend time with them. Yeah. Yeah. It'd creep me the fuck out. Yeah. Um, well, something about Robert Patrick's look makes me feel uncomfortable. He looks old. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah what have I watched? One more episode of that. Uh, the great, the great Perry Mason. Um, watched Hamilton. Oh, right oh, I started watching the other night. You know. Um, you know, I pretty much like never listened to any of the music. Obviously, I didn't go to the Broadway show because I don't live in like New York or whatever. Um, theoretically i was like waiting for them to just put out like a version you could watch and mm-hmm. they did so i watched it it's pretty good yeah it's slightly hot take i i wonder supposedly there's like another guy who played or not supposedly there is another guy who played hamilton you know after a certain amount of time like lin-manuel Miranda left the show i'd yeah. be curious to see his performance 
Hmm. I'm just curious to see how he does. Like I felt like Lin-Manuel Miranda was a little shaky when like the rap was like really fast flowing. Like it, like it seemed like he was having trouble. I don't know with the pace of the rap sometimes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bigger talent on that stage. He was, he was better with like when it slowed down a little and he could get more emotional, I would say. Yeah. But I mean, like you've got Leslie Oldham jr. Mm-hmm. You've got like Davy Diggs. I mean, you got a lot of like big talent on that stage. I mean, the villain from season three of person of interest, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's really? But yeah, he's um, Collier, I think is uh, his name. Hmm. I don't know. Anyhow, that was fun. I can see why people like it. I Okay. <laughs> Immigrants, okay. we get the job done. I get that joke now, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's definitely, like, it's neat to see them film the stage production, but some of that, obviously, it's just going to be more impressive if you're there watching it, like, physically mm-hmm. in the room. Um. Uh, kudos to them. I feel like I'm trying to remember. I watched like the first half an hour of it. It's um, it was filmed in 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So it's still like a few months away from when they uh, like dressed down uh, Pence when he came to visit. Oh gosh, I, I would have to assume so. Yeah, if it was if it was 2016 that they weren't in office yet, right? I kind of wonder what the um, what that looked like just for those in the audience for the filming version. Cause there's some that like, crane stuff in there. I kind of wonder like if as a lot of your view obstructed. I think I read somewhere that like some of the filming they did, they would have like actual cameras on the stage with them. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't in front of an audience. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can kind of see that being true. Where, like, I saw a photo on Twitter of them, like having to take the doors off the front of the theater to get the crane in huh, interesting. at one point. So I figured like, once you got a crane, and like there's some there's some like you know extreme push-ins that I'm like there's no way that's just like not coming from it's, it's right in front of the stage. Lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's shot really well, and I think um, you know unless you've seen like Stop Making Sense, a lot of people don't enjoy the art of like shooting an actual decent like concert movie or or you know live performance. Anyway, turntables. Yeah, although you can't really see him on the, like, you, you kind of, like, every so often, like, see, like, there's some dude, like, you see his hand come up occasionally, you know? Mm-hmm. But you don't really, like, it's not like they were cut to that guy, like, spinning or anything. Well, wasn't there a turntable in Cursed Child when we saw it? Uh, I don't know. There was. The, the stages mean, were kind of similar, like, in the, the basic yeah. shape of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel happy that we saw a version of cursed child where there was clearly technical difficulties too a little bit but it wasn't too bad you know no i mean that's, they that's the they, they played it off real well like uh-huh. the part where you could see the one the one woman just being like dragged <laughs> off stage because her thing doesn't work anymore yeah <laughs> her i'm, I'm amazed they're able to coordinate any of that shit it seems incredibly complicated like the stagecraft that they do like in in cursed child and in hamilton like so much moving around and like this the literal sp- stage spins and they have to time all that perfectly i don't know it's insane to me which well, just imagine if it's uh all of that but also spider-man soaring through the air yeah. above you <laughs> what was that called turn off the dark turn off the dark yeah awesome whatever that means <laughs> mm-hmm. all right well what are you listening to uh oddly enough i've been listening yesterday to a lot of hole really yeah, okay. I was listening to the You're Wrong About, about Courtney Love, and it just got me in a mood. Mm, okay, what were you, you wrong about? 
the world was wrong about Courtney Love is uh, what the subject of the podcast is about. Okay. Like in a good or a bad way? Uh, they tackled the belief among some people that Courtney Love may or may not have killed her uh, husband. Mm, okay. Yeah. As we all know, Kurt, uh, Kurt Cobain's final words. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> First of all, that joke is a John Lennon joke. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a no, no, no. You're it's a different joke. I'll tell okay. you off air. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what am I listening to? Um, so I don't know. It seems like it shouldn't count, but the Buffy soundtrack a lot. Mm. Listen to that. The uh, What's Worth night. Feeling soundtrack. The right? What's Worth Feeling soundtrack, yeah. Um, I think we might have to do like a whole episode just on that Word. episode of the show. Um, and just some Taylor Swift, so that's about it. Perfect. Uh, what are you reading? Uh, I took a I paused, saw Kill Girls. I read a book called The Rules of Murder by Juliana Deering. And then I think tonight or tomorrow I will resume Saw Kill Girls. I was just in the mood to uh, consume a short mystery. You? Okay. Uh, still the Hazelwood, slowly. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, let's dive into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season three, our second of three podcasts on this season. I just wanted to, real quick, uh, disclaimer, because I know this is a, a sensitive time, as it should be. Uh-huh. Uh, last time, we talked a lot about the X-Men and Age of Apocalypse and Onslaught. Uh-huh. And I, I don't think we want to skip over the fact that, obviously, one of the co-creators of those big crossovers was a guy who's been known to sexually harass women. Really? Who who is that? Scott Lobdell. Oh, really? Is is he as well? Yeah. Huh? Okay. Yeah. I, get, and all, I didn't really want to say his name. but right? Yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> we were talking about something the other day that we were going to talk about in the podcast that I somehow now don't remember, but it's like obviously the the shadow of Joss Whedon now. Uh-huh. We were oh, talking about Justice League. About Joss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. At this point, I feel like you can just assume that anyone who worked in comics who's a man is probably a disgusting human being. Yeah, uh, there's no, I mean, there's, I don't know. It's weird because it's like, I feel like there's aspects of the show, especially the episodes we talk about that I want to praise from, I don't know, the, the writing and directing and whatever. But please don't let it like, not be thought that we're not against <laughs> what he's become or what he's might have might have done or things that he's been said to have done. I, I don't know. It's a, It's a shame. Yeah. Well, you know, you try to separate the art from the artist, but I think mm-hmm. in Buffy's case, it's a, a very good show, but you can still see certain uh, threads where it's hard not to make the, connect the dots there, you know? Yeah, I uh, I followed your lead and I, I watched these episodes yesterday and then uh, today I had some free time, so I, I rewatched Gingerbread. Oh, yeah. Um, and once you get past the, uh, like, the Dolores Umbridge parts of where that goes like the fucking xander moments in that episode are you anti xander in that episode uh a little bit okay because i not to step my opening statement but i feel like this week's run of episodes is much better for xander than in than past weeks yeah i'd say so i'd say so well please let's have your opening statement then all right well uh 
just real quick before I dive in, we're going to talk about S3E10 Amends, S3E13 The Zeppo, and S3E14 Bad Girls. Uh, so as for me, as I previously mentioned, I'd never seen Amends. I didn't even know it was a Joss episode, honestly. Um, so what a delight. It was like uncorking that special bottle of wine you've been saving for years. Uh, so much of the Angel show is set up here, I think. I was pretty surprised mm-hmm. to see that. Uh, the metaphor of recovery and how it never stops. Angel will always be fighting himself. That was a really great episode. And SMG is just killing it at the end of that episode. Um, and I did find it kind of weirdly ironic that we're watching some of Xander's like best stuff this week. Uh, mm-hmm. The same week where his author is getting called out for being a shit again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure if the Zeppo was going to hold up or not, but I would say it did so pretty much entirely. It still is hilarious and fantastic on rewatch. Um, all three of these episodes, they're doing great character work. It feels almost like a lost art these days to see a show in such a groove like Buffy is in this season. I'm glad we decided to do three parts of this one because it seems like almost every episode's a classic. And statement. Word. Uh, yeah, I didn't have anything written down. So Freeform, I would agree with what you said. Um, I felt, I don't know, weirdly vindicated in a way when the first evil became like the final big bad of the show because I really liked that villain and that concept. And honestly, the first villain is kind of what the smoke monster becomes from Lost in a certain sense. And, and, and at least how it can like interact with its characters and terrorize them and like what it can reflect. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm constantly speaking of, you know, weird mirrors and reflections. I, I'm amazed just going back into some of these episodes that I haven't seen since they first aired. And I don't know, revisiting, it's like the certain parts of dormant Gen X versions of myself are revisiting them. Uh, Zeppo definitely holds up. I mean, Xander's still a bit of a shit in places, but my God, like this show, I, I enjoyed this show so strongly when it was first on, but I don't think I watched TV in all the right ways at the time. And I didn't realize just like how good what they're doing is and the way they're combining so many characters and storylines. And, you know, like I said, they're setting up the angel storyline in the men's, but at the same time, it's Buffy's show and the way it reflects back on her and, and, and just the fact that this, there's, a, there's a kind of a through line through these episodes of addiction metaphors or mental health metaphors and that the fight will always go on and it'll never be over. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. I, I loved it. Uh, did you see the original ending for Bad Girls? Uh, was that like a deleted scene or something? No, no, no. I guess we'll talk okay. about it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um, Curious. All right. We'll wait till we get It's dark. There. Okay. <laughs> I might have. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about S3E10 Amends first. Yeah. Written and directed uh, by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Joss episode written and directed. I've got five moments for this episode. I have six. All right. Well, you go first. Um, it's, I believe it's in her bedroom. And Buffy's like, what can I do to help? Because he's calm and he's, you know, frantic or whatever. He's obviously shivering with worry. And then he just finally yells, leave me alone. And he dives out the window. And it's, uh, it's unintentionally hilarious. Okay. Uh, my number five moment and what's weird is I know I hadn't seen this episode because there's a bunch of it I didn't recall at all but like this one scene I think I must have like seen it when I was at the gym or something mm-hmm. like that or it was like on TV uh, it's when Willow's like has Oz over she's got like a special night planned for him she's like in a nice dress and she's playing Barry White and all that um, that was a, a fun little moment where he's just like don't take this the wrong way you might be ready but I'm not yeah I like the the standing up and she's yeah. like, are you leaving? He's like, no, sorry, just dramatic gesture. 
um my number five is is prior to that moment i just mentioned you know the show is working or it's working on a certain mindset in which you're in sync with the main character when joyce lost in her own thoughts uh, or buffy's lost in her own thoughts working the christmas tree and joyce just says so angels on top that's a typical joss line there for sure yeah but it's just like huh oh i mean because like you know it, it either works or it doesn't and i felt like record scratch it worked mm-hmm. um and four is when faith comes over to the summer's house for christmas eve that was just nice to see she was pretending to be all like too cool for it earlier in the episode but then she shows up they even brought them gifts and announces immediately that they suck yeah but... i i kind of feel like they're lucky that the whole thing of angel went down because what would that night have been like would it have been amazing or would it have been like awkward as fuck the whole night would have been chill it's on a christmas eve type situation i don't think there's a lot of pressure to be anything more than yourself you know no that jokes on you i'm always under pressure to perform beyond mm-hmm. um number four is the one you mentioned is oz comes over to watch the videos of willow and she's got the barry white playing <laughs> actual barry it's, white i believe if i'm not mistaken too so yeah yeah so it survived i wonder the, if it's uh, there if you rights. watch it on streaming now it's barry white yeah well, no, was it was it okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching the original DVD rips. I read them. Uh, let's see, number three. Yeah, uh, with this is when uh, Buffy has finally gone to Giles to like tell him what's going on, and then Xander shows up to help. That was nice, Xander, for once doing something positive and proactive and seemingly seeking a little bit of uh redemption for himself. I wonder if he was. I mean, well, he I mean you can you can all find an ulterior motive there, but I feel like easily everyone can. everyone has an ulterior motive. He's doing it anyway, so he deserves some credit. I mean, he at least does mention like I know I haven't been on the Angel team, but yeah. Um, my number three is one of Angel's dreams of like the fancy party, and I don't remember if we see the time period, but he's um, it's a scene that happens many times in history where he's exerting his influence on the poor maid, and just the come now. Make a scene, shall I? We as quiet as mice. And she, he like vamps out and she's like, but sir, my son. And he's like, oh, he'll make a fine dessert. And then just the, um, like, you know where the scene you're, is you're going. You're not even and trying to do the accent. Am I not? <laughs> uh, it wouldn't work that way. But anyway, so you, you know where the scene is going. Like you, you can easily telegraph this, like to where this will end up. But I love that where he glances over and just like, clearly there's Buffy all lit up watching him in horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets to watch this, just the way that Angela's terrorized this woman. I mean, as a man, as a person in the upper strata of society, et cetera. What do you mean, et cetera? Well, like, you know, it's not just that he's, uh, this crime is a vampire that he's perpetuating this young woman. It's that okay. he's a man, you know, using his influence on her. He presumably is uh, an upper level of society to this maid. You know, if she complains and says, this guy is about to sexually assault me or whatever, She'll okay. probably get fired. Yeah. Okay. I was just you're just like as a man, upper society, etc. Oh, well, I'm sure exactly where you're connecting the dots to there. I just presume that everyone's on the same uh, yeah. woke wavelength as me. Mm-hmm. Well, you still gotta like say what you're talking about. Oh, words. God mm-hmm. damn it. Uh number two. Yeah. This is when Giles answers his door and there's yes. you don't see Angel at first, but you know it must be him from the way Giles reacts. Uh, great acting by Anthony Sirhead there. Uh, yeah, the same thing. I love that scene for as, um, you know, Angel's like asking for help and Giles just says, all right. 
And then he like walks off and Angel's like, he's struggling to say it. And then finally he's just like, I, I can't come in unless you invite me. And then Jawas just comes back around the corner and he's just like, I'm well aware of that bitch. And he like holds up he his crossbow. crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> he's got just like saucy, righteous dad energy here. It's a good run for Giles for sure. Yeah. Um, number one, just the end, Buffy begging Angel not to kill himself. She has like a fantastic line here. She says, I know everything that you did because you did it to me. God damn you. I was going to say. Sarah Michelle Gellar killing it in that scene. She's incredible. He's good, too. He's good, too. She's she's better. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of bangers of lines there, but that is the one that's always stuck with me Mm -hmm. um, out of all of them. Because, I mean, like, the... The you know if you want me to like like feel sorry for you you're not going to get it or whatever but like yeah it's just everything I know everything you've done you did those things to me Oof, devastating all okay. right well let's uh, drift into the episode here uh, so we got Dublin 1838 flashback with some snow on the ground I wondered if they like was some other show that Fox is making have like a bunch of extra snow you know mm. <laughs> like. It almost seems like too much budget for Buffy to even have snow. Uh, all of these episodes really made me like want to go and research what was a budget for an episode of Buffy. And I feel like it's less than the episode of like Pretty Little Liars. Oh, absolutely. Now. It must have been, years I ago. Think. Yeah. But I mean, like, my God, the amount that they're able to do on like a WB show in the late 90s. Oh, they didn't even have like a proper soundstage they just had like a warehouse and like a parking lot outside that they would like transform into uh the graveyard or you know whatever outside area they needed yeah yeah <sighs> fuck i mean it looks great I, but also whenever i see fake snow now i think of that game of thrones documentary with the snow guy oh, the snow guy yeah <laughs> when they took him to like spain or whatever and they're like I guess we don't have anything for you to do after all <laughs> Um, but yeah, Angel has or Angelus has the long slick back hair with the mustache. I did some some minor research here. This is either a handlebar of a chin puff or a Napoleon the Third Imperial, okay. but it looks like a Victorian biker. Well, Napoleon would have yeah, abdicated about two decades ago. So, but yeah, he's uh, he's got to look for sure, and he's doing mm-hmm. his accent again. I can't remember these lines uh, to do a, a poor imitation, but. I remember Daniel's line later. I mean, this I guy was married is, the next week, but then I seem to remember you knew that. Yeah, he's just like a gambler who owes Angel money. Can you imagine being in a hawk to a fucking vampire? That's a bad place to be. What are you betting on? Like, yeah, I know. like pig races or whatever. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like who's gonna die from famine that week? You might but, as I mean, well. Think... You might as well just spend that money because uh, you're dead anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's it's tough to have a relationship this, with someone when you're always seen as a meal. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know. Like, there's also, I mean, he wakes up from this. So obviously, this is like a nightmare dream, whatever thing. Like, it's kind of interactive. He wakes like, up and somehow his hair is still angel hair. Yeah, even in bed. Yeah, I mean, would this count as a, a, a like a like a nasty erotic dream? I'm not sure if I'll describe this as erotic. I don't know. It's, I guess it depends on how. One of eroticize, us is doing it wrong. How eroticized you like your uh, your vampire biting? I also assume that everything with vampires is slightly sexual. I think that's the metaphor. Yeah. 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 I don't know. So I mean, I, I assume that Angel's just using and abusing. You know, regardless of gender, wherever he goes. 
I like that when we come back to uh, Sunnydale here, we have the classic TV and like the electronic shop store yeah. window giving us a little bit of exposition about how it's really hot. And we'll get it again. Yeah. Like uh, also just the fact that they keep talking about the fucking heat wave and I'm just like, I 70s. That's not too bad. I- I'd kill for that. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, the I always love when they're in this downtown area here. It's yeah. like they have like one street, but they use it well. And then Angel's just he's you know walking along, all kind of frustrated out of it. And then oops, there's Buffy who he runs right into. Uh, in a way that they, there's no way they didn't see each other coming. Yeah, really. <laughs> they're walking fucking right at each other. <laughs> but I mean, the downtown area that they have for Buffy, they always make it look huge and real. Yeah, no, at all. I, mean, I don't know if that's the same parking lot too, or if they actually have like a place they go to. But yeah, but I mean, I, I think the kind of the theme of this episode, everyone's kind of fighting their own personal demons. Angel has his guilt, obviously. Xander's trying to redeem himself. Buffy has these bangs. Uh, it's, it's just tragic. That could be anything on that, huh? I I was going to say I'm glad you're the one who brought it up first. Okay. I feel like it was just a rough. gun pointed pointed at my head. Uh-huh. It gets it, there's parts of the episode where they're a lot worse. <laughs> my understanding of bangs is that you have a bad bangs day and you think some minor maintenance will save this, and then you're like, "Oh shit, made it worse. I made yeah. this much worse." Um, yeah. So she's shopping at the magic store, and he sees a version of this dude Daniel haunting him. Bum bum bum. Um. It's a whole lot of him just like freaking out and running away in this episode. Yeah. Uh, next day at school, Buffy, Willow, and Xander are coming out of class. Like, really, Buffy is just just talking to Willow about how weird Angel was the night before. Xander, meanwhile, is like doing his like loud reply guy thing at them. Like, why is why well, is Giles acting weird about Angel? Must be that whole thing where he killed his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And at one point, she's finally just like enough, Xander, and then resumes her conversation with Willow. Well, see, I. I don't know. I'm curious to know if like a conversation was had in the writer's room at some point or what, because it feels like they're treating Xander differently in these episodes that we've done. Like even when you'll have a moment like that, somebody kind of like puts a stop to it there. Like Buffy does. Like even, I think it's in one of the episodes that we didn't watch. I think it's in one of the episodes he's talking about how like, Oh, what a, why do I have to feel guilty or something? And she says, you are guilty. You know, it's like some like directly addresses it instead yeah. of like just letting him go. Oh, it's it's not even the word guilty though. It's um, oh god, what is it like? No, the, the, whatever the one I'm talking about, she literally says you are guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not guilty. It's the she says that you know, um, you you did do something wrong. Like uh-huh. it's it's yeah. not even just about his guilt. It's like you know, why do I feel like I did something wrong? It's, she's like, because you did do something yeah. wrong. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and gingerbread. Yeah, because he's like whining about everything going wrong with him for a certain point of that episode. Whereas like Willow's about to get like Salem witch trials at one point. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So they go to this like loungish area where, where Cordelia is and everyone's like talking about their holiday plans. And Willow of course has to keep reminding everyone that she's Jewish, doesn't worship Santa. Um, and then there's, there, there's always been like a certain darkness to Xander's backstory though. He'll be doing his annual Christmas camp out in the backyard, which Cordelia then moseys over to point out. It's so that he can avoid his uh, family's usual drunken fights. Yeah, which is pretty, I mean, the way she just drops that and he's just kind of like, I 
thank you for sharing that thing I, you know, shared with you in confidence or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> pretty brutal. I mean, they've hinted in other episodes that Xander's home life is not great. I don't think I'd, you know, because I hadn't seen this episode, I wasn't aware of that detail of it. But um, certainly doesn't excuse him. But I think it kind of explains why he is the way he is. Like he's Agreed. he's very much Agreed. a uh, use humor as a defense mechanism type of guy. And I think those people always have uh, an intense level of darkness at the yeah. core of it, right? Well, I and mean, also, as, as we mentioned in the previous episode, his humor, although we watch it now and we, we cringe in horror, would not really have been out of place back in the 90s. It would have just been like roll right off your back type of stuff. You're right. It was a dark, sexy time and we were all Chandler binging it as hard yeah. as we could. Um, also, could considering I where... be any more misogynist? Um, considering where Cordelia's storyline will end up this season, it's kind of funny where she's just like, I'm going to Aspen to do some skiing because I'm rich. <laughs> That's right. Oh, got like that? her, her dad like has like some sort of uh, financial issue or something, right? It's like a say he, anything type deal or something. Or something. He might even like leave the country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something. Um, so, you know, Willow mentions that forgiveness is a big theme of her this year because of, you know, Speak of the werewolf, Oz shows up. And I like that Oz just cast this like simple glance over at Xander, who has to like not only like turn his face downward, but like cover it with his hand. Right. I believe in the parlance of our times, it's like the cut got cucked here. Yeah, I mean, Xander, you're gonna have to deal with that for a while. I do kind of like the way they start growing down in gingerbread. I, yeah, I, well, always good for a, a redemptive bro down. I mean, yeah, it's, it's great that we both watch gingerbread. Like, there is a moment too where Xander actually addresses like. I feel like Oz is like constantly like staring daggers at me. And that's, that's the, the parlay into the whole thing where it's like, yeah, Xander, because he should hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that Xander is specifically wrong for a case of infel- infidelity between like Oz and Willow. Obviously, you know, Willow to Tango, she entered that to her own free will, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you find out your significant other's cheating on you. You're not going to have warm feelings for the other person. No, no, but also even even if by association they were friends. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, it wasn't like Xander was just like, "Wow, I never thought this would affect Oz at all." Or it's just like, "Wait, you had a boyfriend?" You know, it wasn't like that kind of situation. He knew exactly what was up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Xander has a little bit of a man crush on Oz. I'm not going to say he looks up to him because Oz is like three feet tall. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, stick up for those short guys. Somebody might as well. Um, I was going to go into the classroom and talk about it. Um, I like how they just have an empty classroom they can go have a chat in. I was trying to think, I don't know why, if this ever happened on Buffy. And for some reason, my mind brought up something in season, or not, uh, PLL. There's, my mind brought up something in season three when Lucas was all sweaty and like coked out looking. Uh, Somebody yeah. had to talk to him in an empty classroom once. Uh, I think Caleb does, does he not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that there was ever... I don't think that happened in our high school experience where it's just like, number one, I need to go have a serious chat with this person. Hey, is there an empty classroom? No, I, we had a, our high school is all like outdoors. We didn't have like hallways, like enclosed that you could like just jump into a classroom. And yeah, they're all like exposed outdoors and they were locked. If nobody was in there. I mean, even the high school I went to in Virginia, like it's all indoor, but you know, when a teacher left a classroom, they locked the classroom. Yeah. Just in case anyone wants to have like a serious conversation in here, nope. Yeah, you go to the, the bathroom like everyone else. The 
kind of gist of this uh, Oz Willow scene here is that he still doesn't know exactly how to feel about this whole situation, but he knows that he misses her. So they're going to hug it out and uh, try to make things work. I like that he he talks about like not having ever felt anything the way he felt watching as when he watched the two of them kiss outside of the context of a full moon. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Like the because they're still teenagers. Like as they're getting used to whatever their emotions are going to be, they're still processed through these like bizarre supernatural filters. Um, so Buffy and Joyce go Christmas tree shopping. I like that you can see the guy in the background spraying fake snow on the tree. <laughs> Well, I mean, where else are they going to come from? Yeah. And then yeah. there's the, like, one section of trees where they're all dead. And it's like, hmm, wonder if that will come up later. And that employee is very helpful. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, man, these all died. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, then we get some kind of weird montage stuff, something underground, some sort of ritual, some dudes with, like, weird X's on their eyes. Like, over like their eyes. scars, yeah. Yeah. And then Angel wakes up again. This is like a very much like Anakin waking up and attacking the clones like reaction here. The mm-hmm. bad dream reaction. Which always makes me think that like an orgasm just happened. I don't know. I mean, it would be funny if it was like when Buffy comes over later just to be like, Angel, you good? And he's just like, I'm washing my sheets again. Like, I don't know about you, but every time I see that scene in Attack of the Clones, I think Anakin like just came. Like he had like a nightmare orgasm, like a nightgasm, or maybe we can't see Padme for a reason. Uh, That's just where my kinky mind goes. I think about oh god, where is it? Yeah, I think it's Attack Clones. I get certain parts of their relationship confused from the end of Attack of Clones to the Sorry Revenge of the Sith. Anyway, um, we go to Faith's like shitty hotel where she's like wrestling with the TV reception. Holy shit, no one misses this. No oh, one misses CRT the rabbit ears. And, yeah. Ugh. I can definitely remember like trying to watch like baseball games, and it's like I have to literally stand here and hold the end of the antenna just to get a picture. God. Yeah. And it wouldn't always be like that from day to day. No, it's yeah, it's completely random. But <sighs> Buffy's here to invite Faith over for Christmas Eve dinner, and Faith is of course, like, haha, your mom must have sent you. And still, Buffy's like, no, I mean it. And Faith is just like, oh, I got this party I'm going to go to. She's not a very good liar, Faith, at all. Because um, no. she just kind of like repeats the same thing again. She's like, yeah, well, you know, like I said, I got this party. So no thanks. But she did put I'm, up little Christmas lights indoors. I like that. I mean, if it was true, I'm sure it'd be a badass party because I feel like Faith can like smell those things. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not I mean, sure if I would want to go to a party that Faith heard about and and wants to go to. Like, oh, I would love to be Faith's wingman for like a night. Okay. That'd be wild. I mean, the you'd only be, other thing dead by morning. You bet your ass I would be, but it'd be glorious. Um, how old is Faith? Too, <laughs> we never find out. Probably about the same age as Buffy. Like, so Buffy's about to turn eighteen. Faith yeah. is, I don't know, maybe seventeen. Maybe well, I, I mean, mean she could be eighteen. I don't know. It's possible. She's we both... don't know. We don't know that she has like a GED or, or yeah. not. Uh, anyway, uh, Giles Place. He's cooking. This is a man of spices, and not just spices. He does that thing where like he dips that wooden spoon in there, and he's uh-huh. just like, mm, "Ooh, this needs a pinch of that." I need to be cooking like this more. Yeah, Granted, it's we, we it's lockdown time like this. Yeah, 
it's lockdown time. So it's not like I can do that thing where someone's trying to tell me something unimportant. And I'm like, no, no, no. Taste this. First. Like, Hold Taste on. This. Let, me, let me stick my wooden spoon in this boiling water that I'm making mac and cheese in. Ooh, yeah. That tastes good. <laughs> I promise you this sauce is life changing. Yeah. It's 80% water. <laughs> um, so knock on the door. And again, it's the thing with Angel. Uh, and he's just like, I, Angel's just like, sorry to bother you. And Giles finds this hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <clears throat> It's crazy to think how watching this the first time, Wesley shows up and I'm like, wow, this guy makes Giles look really cool. Like Giles has always been cool. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, So he does the whole thing where he goes and gets crossbow before he invites him in. And Angel needs help because he's having these bad dreams. He's having visions, yada, yada, yada. Uh, And then as they're talking, cool shot where Giles just kind of like steps out of the way and Jenny Callender's behind him. Mm-hmm. super creepy well and the best part is that it's not like at the beginning of the scene like you're kind yeah. of settled the scene for a moment um but yeah angel's just like you know i should be in a demon dimension suffering for all eternity and giles like i don't feel particularly inclined to argue with that and um, then angel's just so freaked out by seeing jenny calendar here that he has to run away yeah like the giles lines though he's still so formal like you think that's something you ought to have because sir to be blunt the last time you became complacent about your existence, it turned out rather badly. I love that that's like his like sticking it to Angel <laughs> line. Um, yeah, Angel freaks out and just like runs off because of Jenny Calendar's sexy blink those stairs. Then he has um, another like quasi sex dream nightmare with the, the this is the chambermaid one where he, mm-hmm. he has like weird long hair. You don't really get a good look at it, but he looks pretty goofy. I mean, do I, what is the hair situation of a vampire? I guess Obviously it grows. Spike, right? Spike has to dye his hair, and we've seen it when yeah. it's like not been you know done in a while. But I, I want to say that didn't we didn't didn't they say at some point that you kind of your body's kind of locked in like the form you had when you die? Somewhat, but like seemingly your hair grows. I think that is clear at least. Um, your yeah. age isn't going to change. You know, like you're, you're supposed to look the same age, but. But I mean, it's it's not even the long hair that gets me because he had long hair when he died. It's the mustache earlier. Yeah, yeah. facial hair grows too, man. So yeah, I guess. He's got like a whole different kind of weird mustache here. I mean, it's funny because it's not like the angel of the show didn't do whole storylines about like weird dreams Angel was having. Like yeah. <laughs> this was a thread they would pick up. Um, so he's coming out of his like room, like pulling on a ginormous sweater. Wish it was sweater weather. And there's uh, you know, Jenny Calendar there, like ready to torment him some more. And I love this, like the uh, like, what do you want? And she's like, well, I want to die in bed surrounded by fat grandchildren. But I guess that's off the table. Yeah, we should mention when he sees Buffy in his dream, it then cuts to Buffy waking up as though she's just experienced the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So she really did see him like tormenting this maid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. We've get has a little conversation from who we'll find out is the first evil, but it's just like you know Jenny Calendar morphing into the other dude, mm-hmm. uh, and then this is where Buffy finally goes to talk to Giles. Uh, and this is this is where the bangs. You know, this is the bangs, first yeah. evil right here. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's. You can tell she didn't really want to have to go ask Giles for help, but she's concerned about this. Like she's like, no, I didn't dream about Angel. I was in his dream. Yeah, there's things that I wouldn't have known about. Yeah. 
And then he finally is just like, yeah, I know. Angel and then see me. seemingly Xander's just been lurking right outside eavesdropping because then he just kind of comes in and is like, hey, I'd like to help. Well, but before that, though, you know, Giles, like, says he's been doing some research. You know, Buffy wants to help. And he gives her this look like, girl. And she's like, I'm not with Angel. <laughs> but I can't move on from that relationship if we're still doing guest spots in each other's dreams. Valid. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, I think I think you're right that there is a certain, like, obviously this shit is weighing on Xander because there's something about the way he shows up and says, I don't know, maybe I finally got the Hanukkah spirit since we had a whole Hanukkah conversation. Earlier. Well, I think just the Zeppo is coming. They must have known that in the writer's room, you know, while they're working on this episode. It, it does seem like they were like, hey, we should actually develop Xander's character. Uh, right. And it's nice to see at least part of that is him being a little more mature and a little less awful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, like, I feel like, yeah, because his maturity at the end of the Zeppo would even seem out of place. Yeah. If you didn't show a willingness towards it. Um, so Willow also shows up. We have like a research montage. They're reading books. Xander gets a pizza, which we'll find out that Xander's job in the group. There's hey, man, even a he, whiteboard. He comes through. He's got pizza and soda. I don't know if we're going to see it or not later, but my one of my favorite season three moments is when Xander's operating the VCR and everyone's like, can you enhance that quadrant right there? <laughs> and he's like, it's a normal VCR. I mean, in some ways, this is the the dream of Xander is he's not the super powered guy, but he's he gets to be in the room and help out. And that seems like a pretty cool place to be. Like just being friends with Buffy and Willow would be pretty fucking awesome. Absolutely. They're great people. But like it's it's interesting because Willow has kind of been both like the girl at the computer, but she's also the magic girl. She's the girl at the, you know, the, the grimoire uh-huh. as well. Like. What is Xander's role? Um, I, I just want to know, like, what are they going over at the whiteboard? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Or what have we all learned from our various ancient tomes? <laughs> <laughs> like, is it a house thing? Or, like, they're just, like, writing on lupus and then, like, crossing it out because it's never lupus? I always wonder, like, they've got these, like, ancient books that they're looking through all the time. At some point, do they kind of know what's in certain books? They're yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's definitely not in that. I've read that, like, five times, you know? I, I, I was pleased with that aspect of gingerbread where I was just like, I'd forgotten about it as they're like doing the locker search. And I was like, oh, man, hope they don't get to the library. Half yeah. the library is occult books. Um, so, yeah. So, like, later we was talking to Buffy telling her that Oz is coming over for Christmas Eve. Parents are out of town. They're going to watch videos. So chaste. Um, and Willow mentions awkward. Buffy says, you know, Xander just has this piece of you that Oz can't touch. I guess right now it's about showing Oz that he comes first. And Willow kind of misunderstands this. I, I guess you could say so, yeah, based on, on what comes next. But I think the advice isn't bad advice per se. I think it's just the way Willow follows it is a little over the top. Yeah, no, nothing that Buffy said is wrong. She's not saying you need to prove yourself to Oz sexually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So then we, we transition from that to the mansion. Angel's like just been like thrown to the ground. Are we supposed to know who this other dude is? I mean, clearly he's a victim of angels, but I want to know who the fuck is this guy. I mean, it's not shocking that he would have you know more victims. He's like monologuing about Angel like arranged his dead kids to be found or whatever. Well, like this, he's got a where's suit he from? On. Yeah, he's, he's too modern. He, this would have to be a victim of Angelus after he was resold or yeah. re-unsold. Yeah. Which we know that Angel misbehaved occasionally when he had his soul, but this guy is just like he's like last fifteen years modern. Yeah. Well, I think 
is this a scene? I I think in the previous scene is where Giles says this is the first evil, and then now when we cut to this, I think the first evil like announces itself as the first evil, right? I don't think we're there yet. Or is that not there yet? I know. It I don't think we're there point, yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but there's a great bit where like the business guy morphs into the maid, and how he's a different kind of beast because unlike other like creatures, he takes pleasure in his sadistic violence. So, like angels. Of course, freaking out, hearing this, having his sins revisited upon him, having to face these consequences. He's like, oh, God. And I love the turn where the maid's like, yeah, go on, cry out, make a scene. Yeah. And then this is where Daniel's just like, I was to be married that week. But then as I recall, you knew that. We get this like brief flashback to like Andrew when he was human. And he's mm-hmm. just like this drunken asshole. <laughs> so it's like, you weren't even a good person when you were human. Well, it's like. Liam's watching a girl dancing on a table as he drinks his ale. Yeah. And as he reaches for her, he falls out of his own <laughs> stool. Yeah. And then the maid's just like telling me he was a drunken, whoring layabout. And what a disappointment for your parents. LOL. And the angel's like, I was young. I never had a chance to. And she's like, what? Die of syphilis? <laughs> <laughs> like how young, Angel? You look like you're in your 20s at least there. I feel like Angel definitely died older than Buffy when they met. Seemingly. I, I I mean, they don't say, but I, I would guess like early 20s probably. <laughs> it's like, oh, this was Ireland in the 1800s. Angel was 30. Yeah. <laughs> he was about to die. You know, grandkids by then. Uh, yeah. So then we were back at Sunnydale High. You see Xander's yawning and they're kind of just tired. They've been researching and Giles finally thinks he finds something. Um, and then we cut to Buffy having a dream. She's just falling asleep in the library and the angel's rolling over. He's dreaming as well. Nice and it's a, it is a sex dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Does as he choking uh, her at some point or are they just fully going at it? I don't think he's choking her. Oh no, he bites her. That's what he does at the end of it. You're just like, what if he starts choking her? That would be like, what if he just starts <laughs> choking the shit out of her? Yeah, no. and then what is it like the line? Like, then this one tear just starts to fall <laughs> a, and it hits or no, it's saliva like spit that falls right in your eye or in her mouth or something. Yeah, <laughs> talking about Archer, and yeah. Cheryl, great character. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like as they're as they're in the bone zone, she looks over and gets a glimpse of the evil monks in her room watching. Um, and that's when he holds her wrist down and he vamps out and bites her, yeah. It's hand stuff. It's not neck stuff. No, he bites her. I'm looking at it right now. No, but I mean, uh, I'm sorry. He's not choking her. Oh, yeah. He's just holding her wrist down. Yeah, uh, then they both wake up. And then I th- is this where the first evil stuff is revealed? Or is it just more Jenny talking? I think so, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you should take her. Because earlier, the first evil had said basically, like, I'm not trying to, like, hurt you, Angel. I'm just trying to show you, who you all are. you've got yeah. is a talent for cruelty. Yeah. Um, and then after commercial... Giles is like, check it out, Buffy. I figured it out. It's the first evil. Also, hilariously, he pulls this out. They've been reading like a shit ton of books. And he's just like, here's a bunch of letters talking about the bringers. Like, who are these like letters Like on this ancient to? parchment, yeah. Like, dear pen pal, have you, have you heard about the oldest evil of all time? <laughs> um, but yeah, Buffy recognizes the bringers from the dream she just had. And Giles is like, ooh, I love discussing dreams. What happened in yours? And she's just like, um, sex stuff. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Then uh, she goes with Sander to visit Willie the Snitch. Is this the first time we've seen Willie the Snitch? I don't remember. I was just impressed with myself that, like, as it was happening, I was typing my notes. I was like, 
I think this guy's name is Willie. Yeah, it's yep. Willie, Willie the Snitch. Um, Willie's bar. This was definitely part of the episode. I was like, yeah, I, I have no memory of this, so I definitely haven't seen this whole episode. Mm. Let me get a double shot of information, <laughs> which is like this is good. Like this is like an element they're just like clearly going to map on to like L.A. and Angel's show. Yeah, I mean, Xander has that line, and then I, at the end when he's leaving, Willie's Snitch is like, hey, kid, good job. You really intimidated me there. Well, just like the way that they will make certain things like literal, like I've been hearing stuff from the underground. The oh, literal yeah, underground, like, yeah. Yeah, like people who live under the ground, yeah. Uh, so this is when Knight uh, uh, just like walks into Willow's house with the videos. I'd love well, to know like what Before that, um, Xander and Buffy go outside and he's had this kind of like weird conversation where she's like leaning against the the uh, wall there. I don't know. It's It's kind of a strange, it's like they've, they they're nowhere, you know. It's it, they mm-hmm. they haven't learned any new leads, and so they're just kind of standing there, like, huh, what to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he showed up with the video. She's got this nice dress on. There's like a fire going in the fireplace. I might, what I love is that it's a nice dress. It's not it's like not, lingerie or yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would have been so like that would have been like, a, just too over the top, yeah. Um, you know, and he points out that this this might not work the boning because she's doing it to prove something. Rather than it being something they both just like want and need. Um, although later they will fall asleep in her bed. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, he's fully clothed too. They, they make sure on, on TV to make sure you know that Oz is fully clothed. Well, I think so, it's, uh, they're just communicating that like they, they definitely had a night where they got closer. It doesn't necessarily mean they had that sex. No, no, they stayed up all night talking. Yeah. Uh, so Buffy's place, Joyce is like lighting a fire. And again, because of this heat wave, Buffy's like, nothing like a roaring fire to keep away the blistering heat. <laughs> it's like they wanted the imagery for a Christmas episode. Yeah. But then they, well, they wanted to Christmas, it. I feel like Christmas is inherently, like, you know, you want to keep the memory of how happy it is. But I think for a lot of people, Christmas is inherently a very dark holiday. Is it? Uh, I think for oh. a lot of people it is. Okay. Um, well, some people, sure. But not, I think that, that, that. Wow. Okay. Just saying. Just, Throwing I love else. Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. That's your favorite holiday? Yeah. Okay. Like a Christmas golf? All right. Um, but like the whole episode is kind of, you know, the subversion of those Christmas images. A little. You got the heat, you got the heat wave and then and then kind of reinforcing at the end of the snow. Anyway. Yeah, I, I would say it's less of a subversion than, you know, a re, reimagining it of. Um, and then face shows up. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, so that party uh, sucked. Here we go. I guess they suck too. Yeah. So when Buffy goes upstairs to get like her, her presents for Faith and her room, Angel's there um, wearing his sweater and coat. And then he jumps he's, out a window. <laughs> yeah, he's flipping out like a junkie. Like they're, he's distracted by her bed. He's distracted by her like neck cleavage. Yeah, a lot of he's, like staring at her neck, like kind of POV shots of the camera. Jenny calendars there behind her. And he's like rambling. Um, He can't really like make sentences as as Jenny's just like, she wants you to touch her. She wants you to taste her. Think of the peace. Um, And then, so Buffy puts Faith in charge of like watching over Joyce while Buffy goes to help Angel, which I guess Faith and Joyce became good pals. Yeah, that's for sure. It was a pleasant night. I like Buffy or not Buffy on Faith. Her outfit here. This is like her, I don't know, like kind of semi-formal. Like, here? 
I think she still has pants on, but she just has like a normal button up shirt. Um, you know, mm. it's just like business casual faith, I guess. There's one of these episodes where she's wearing a skirt, and I was like, I think it's the only time we ever really see faith in something where she probably can't easily fight in. In a skirt, uh-huh. you could probably fight pretty well in a skirt. But it's like for her, it's like a very tight short skirt. Okay. I feel like it's on TV it would be riding up a lot. Okay. Um but I I just love that Joyce is just like Oh, Buffy's running off. Let's make some hot chocolate. Have you ever watched Passions? <laughs> um, so she goes to Giles, needs something to do. You know, Giles is like, you realize if he truly becomes a danger, you might have to kill him again. Um, the mansion angel's freaking out. He's he's about this. Evil Jenny's like talking him down. So he resolves to kill himself. And she's like, you don't have the strength to kill yourself. He's like, I don't need the strength. I just need the sun to rise. So he storms off. And I like that she's just like, you're not supposed to kill yourself. That's not the plan. But it'll do. <laughs> so eventually, Buffy and Giles research. I think they're at his house, right? Um, yeah. Giles finds a thing where he's like, "Oh, nothing will live above or below where the bringers are," or something like that. And Buffy's like, "Wait a minute, let me see that." And she's like, "Oh, that reminds me of those dead Christmas trees from earlier in the episode. Remember that, guys?" So she goes back to the Christmas tree lot, and we see there's like a kind of a big crane shot from up above, where we see like there's just like a circle of dead trees in the midst of all the green trees she's also referenced the sun tabloid i believe it's the sun tabloid she might be referring to the actual sun but i was surprised that buffy the teenager from california would know the sun but giles okay. certainly would uh there's an incredible crane shot when she goes to this christmas tree lot yeah, and then she just starts like she finds like an axe and just starts axing the ground uh, until a hole forms because I guess it's a very, very thin layer of dirt there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she jumps down into the hole and it's time to fight some weird bringer guys. Mm-hmm. And these guys aren't really much of a fight. Remember Just, how fun they were in season seven too? Yeah, takes them out pretty immediately, like smashes their dumb ritual thing and then Jenny Calendar shows up as the first evil to be creepy. I'm not a demon little girl. I'm just... That you can't even conceive the first evil beyond sin, beyond death. I am the thing darkness fears. You'll never see me, but I'm everywhere. Every every being, every thought, every drop of hate. And she's like, All right, I get it. You're evil. Do we have to chat about it all day? Uh, and then we get kind of an evil dead catchphrase with the dead by sunrise. <laughs> and she the first evil kind of morphs into this weird specter, like demonic specter, and like lunges at her before disappearing. Yeah. Very Sammy, Sam Raimi-esque. I, mean, I guess um, the first evil can't really come back now till there's more bringers doing rituals or something. Is that how that works? Well, presumably what, what the first evil has just said is that I exist in every being everywhere. So it's like unless you eliminate the concept of evil within uh-huh. all life, you never get rid of me. So I don't really know what the bringers bring to the table. I'm, when we get to season seven, we can try to figure that out. Can I just say how excited I am to watch Dirty Girls again? Oh, in season seven? Yeah. 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 You can do the whole um, monologue. Can you do the whole monologue? I used to know it. I'm not sure if I remember it entirely now. You're the one who sees things. That's oh, a simple story. Stop me if you've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Buffy goes to the mansion um, and there's no angel there. So the set is huge, by the way. These sets are fucking huge. Um, so she managed to find Angel like on lookout point or whatever, and he's ready to monologue. And again, there's a lot of bangers in dialogue here. Um it's not the demon in me that needs killing Buffy. It's the man. You yeah. don't anything you'll ever be as a monster. Yeah. Some sweet stuff here. It's basically like, yeah, I sucked as a human being too. 
just the, the what about me? I love you so much. I tried to like make you go away. I killed you and it didn't help. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's a constant. This is like the it's like the through line for a lot of um, Joss Whedon shows. It's his brand of atheism that number one, if nothing that we do matters, the only thing that matters is what we do, um, and that every day has to be a fight. Like you're not, there's no sudden happy ending. It's like the happy ending just means the next day you have to fight even harder. Well, that's especially the kind of concept of angel as a metaphor for recovery. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like addiction recovery. Yeah. Um, so as she's tearing into him, you know, because the sun's presumably imminent, uh, it starts to snow, and they're both kind of stunned and awed about this. I like that it just like stays clearly night, but snowing. <laughs> yeah, like the sun just doesn't come up. Um, so this is where we see like you know Oz and Willow, and then like a kind of montage. Oz and Willow wake up in Willow's bedroom. She's in her jammies. Um, they we should mention and, like, the snow the is like the big catalyst. It's it's frogs falling from the sky. You know, it's the thing that breaks angel's commitment uh to his own self-loathing there it's the sign that's going to bring him back well yeah and i know that like that's uh, there was um there used to be like a i don't know how accurate it is because i don't want to deal with me butchering mental health advice but i know like there used to be popularized that if someone told you they were going to jump you know to kill themselves the advice that you would give them would be jump tomorrow it's like you if you can get them to prolong it you know, hopefully something will come in and stop them. The the moment will pass. Um, but yeah, so like it's his that commitment. YouTube song. Sorry, go ahead. What? It's stuck in a moment. You don't remember that? Oh, well, stuck in a moment. You can't get out of himself. Yeah. Oh, hey, sometimes you you kick, and sometimes you get kicked. Anyway, like I feel like we're doing a terrible job of dealing with mental health here, but. Um, at Buffy's house, Joyce and Faith go outside and see the snow. It's like, Joyce is just like, I'll always remember this, non-daughter. <laughs> uh, Faith That's is kind of hilarious. the holidays because are for, you know. Faith is kind of hilarious in this little montage because it doesn't seem like Eliza Dushku knows where to look. <laughs> I mean, I, you're just looking at snow. But she's just like looking here, looking there, and she's like, I don't know what we're looking at. I feel like uh, Joyce is like looking up, like, ooh, the snow is falling. <laughs> See Xander waking up in his sleeping bag. Yeah, outside. Man, it brutal. snows on him. It's been snowing on him for a little while. He's got point. like a plate of food or cookies or something out with him. Yeah. Covered in snow. Oh. Uh, we see that the. the huh. I was say, there's a lantern that's still on there. I'm gonna kill that battery. Maybe it's a plug in. Are those comic books, maybe, too? Yeah. I think it's like maybe. the closest we get to like seeing Xander's house. Uh, we see his basement. Oh yeah, obviously, but yeah, like yeah, this is just like a like a tiny little slice of yard here. I think we actually do see a really unimpressive Uncle Rory at one point. Yeah, he he's in Hell's Bells and he's like he sucks. That's right. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He's not, not Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, yeah. And then that was just, uh that was the spinoff that we wanted for a long time. It was just that Uncle Rory shows up with like a pirate ship or something. <laughs> he's just he's like, just come like, on, Xander. He's like a supernatural treasure hunter or something. Yeah, it's an easy spinoff for sure. Yeah, yeah. This is before truly mediocre fare like Burn Notice. Um, well, Jack of all trades. Me. I mean, Jack of all you trades. You remember that I, show? I remember watch, trying to watch it. I never actually that, watched that show, it. I was hearing about it. That show was a fucking mess. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really like either of them, but I've seen more episodes of, of Xena than I ever thought I would have in my life. 
his character on that was kind of great. He was like the like the Prince like of the, Thieves. Yeah, the King of Thieves, I think. Prince oh, of Thieves is Robin Hood, played by oh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. And the Princess of Thieves is uh, Keira Knightley in a TV movie that no one saw. Um, was she like Robin Hood, Princess of Thieves? Yeah. Oh. That was when I first saw Keira Knightley. Is even before Phantom Menace. And I was like, who are you? Okay. Yeah. Um, so we hear the news weatherman talking about the snow and, and on the TV, like through that same window in downtown. Uh, as Buffy and Angel walk to town hand in hand, just admiring the sun against the huge set. You mean the downtown area? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a set. It's like a but whatever it is. It's a huge. Stater. It's a huge outdoor thing. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, you know, again, this is like I said it, it makes it explicit that Angel's metaphor is like an addict or or somebody recovering, suffering with some kind of constant issues. Um, you know, who needs to be okay if asking for help or knows that their well being is something they have to maintain. It's good. Yeah, it's very very satisfying episode overall. I'm, Glad to have watched it now. It did not disappoint. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, we have S3E13, the Zeppo. I have, again, five top moments. I just want to say, this is um, directed by James Whitmore Jr., written by Dan Weber. Dan Weber, whose only two credits on Buffy are the Zeppo and Lover's Walk. Interesting. Not too shabby. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a, a one-season writer's room guy, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's still not guy, too fucking shabby. Did he go on any other shows? I mean, he's on, um, according to the Buffy Wiki, I might mean, could go design to be, but like Simpsons, Border Town, American Dad, Futurama, okay, Darla, Space Ghost. I mean, so like a, also of like a very certain time guy. period, yeah. yeah. Um, you said you have five, I have five, yeah. I have seven. Oh, he worked for the Punisher show, interesting. All right. Um, yeah, hit us up. Number seven, uh, Xander saying, it's my thing. And Buffy's like, is this a penis metaphor? <laughs> yes. Um, the, at the very beginning, when it suggested, number six, when it suggested they should burn the demons they've just killed, and Willow's like, ooh, I brought marshmallows. And like, with no pause at all, she's just like, okay, so occasionally I'm callous and strange. <laughs> uh, correction real quick. That seems to be a different Dan Weber. So Weber. Weber. Maybe that's why. Yeah. He said V. I just thought of the W. Mm. Maybe uh, like two V's, like he's a bitch. Yeah. Number five. The Buffy Angel melodrama scene that Xander just kind of interrupts. <laughs> and like the music stops for a second. He's like, uh, hey, sorry. Maybe I should come back. Yeah. Um, this episode is hilarious because of how willing they are to kind of parody themselves. Like mm-hmm. they've they've planted deep enough roots now that they can do an episode like this and kind of like make fun of the some of the their tropes that they've developed. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buffy and Angel having this incredibly melodramatic conversation about we have to do this. No, you can't. It'll kill you. You know. And he's just like going on and on. Like, and then it just kind of cuts to Xander being like, "Ooh, maybe I should go." And then the music starts back up again after Xander leaves. Also, I have to wonder if this was a meta comment to the audience about like how many more seasons of this relationship do you really want to watch? Yeah, yeah. you can't you can't do this forever for sure. Uh, but it's it's a fascinating experiment. It's just like, what if your B story was your A story and vice versa? <laughs> uh, my number five, I have all the dialogue that maybe we can do 
when we come to it in the recap portion. But number five is Xander's conversation of Oz about coolness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's on my list a little further up. Uh, my number four is when Xander kind of has his his big hero moment. He stares down O'Toole and kind of you know calls his bluff in a deadly game of chicken there until O'Toole or O'Toole uh, disarms the bomb. And then he even has like just the the move that like I'm not sure would have totally worked, but he like goes and like walks around behind him and like just like whispers into his ear. He's like, I don't want to see you on campus anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number four is we like in the middle of the Xander stuff in that night, we cut over to the school library and we see like Buffy Giles, Faith Willow, and Angel facing off against the Hellmouth, which is bright and there's like tentacles and shit. And like one shot, we like move from the POV of the Hellmouth past the Scoobies to like the windows and the doors of the uh the library uh-huh. to see Xander run past being chased by the Zombros. Who the one guy stops and comes back and looks at the window and it's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't include that, but the kind of the insane battle to save the world that's happening mostly off screen or just kind yeah. of like briefly alluded to. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My number three, uh, you mentioned you have all the dialogue for this, but just uh, is it hard to play the guitar? <laughs> Not the way I Not play the way it. I <laughs> uh, my number three is. Not just that Faith and Xander smash, but the progression of we get the shot of Faith riding Xander, reflecting the TV that's off. Uh, then we get the afterglow moment of her and him like canoodling in bed. And then we just see Xander being kicked out of the hotel, still naked. But she has a blanket wrapped around herself. And she says, that was great. I got a shower. <laughs> she shuts the door. And he's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my number two is uh, when Xander runs into Giles in the graveyard. And Giles says something about it. it smells like the stench of death. And Xander says, yeah, I think it's Bob. It's a good, <laughs> it's a classic, not just Buffy line, but Xander line in particular. Uh, number two is a moment that I fucking adored when I watched this episode, you, you know, when it was first on, but I completely forgot about where Xander's driving on the street and he sees like the Zombros and he like grabs one oh, of them yeah. and drags them <laughs> out the car. <laughs> And he's like, where's the bomb? It's in the school's in the playroom. I'm going to ask you this very important question. You better pray he gets in right. How do you defuse it? And he hits the guy's head on the mailbox. Knocks it off, yeah. Probably should have left out that whole middle part. Yeah, this episode's hilarious. I I think, I guess Dan Weber mostly does animation. You can kind of see that. It's like, I don't know, a very comedic episode for sure. And kind of like poking fun at the, the show itself. Yeah, in a way that I think, yeah, like a lot of animated comedy works best. Uh huh. Um, number one. Uh, so you mentioned it, just faith. That was great. I got a shower. <laughs> oh, and then like the follow up to it, when he's like in the middle of doing something else, he's like driving through town, and he just stops suddenly. He's like, I just had sex. <laughs> um, my number one is it's it's the moment like organically builds up to it, but again, it's it's still kind of a, a subversion of it. Just when he's having the chicken with Jack O'Toole, uh-huh. and Jack's like, I'm not afraid to die. I already died. I'm already dead. And Xander's just like, yeah, but this is different. Being blowed up isn't walking around and drinking if your buddy's dead. It's little bits being swept up by a janitor dead. And I don't think you're ready for that. <laughs> and then just the, are you? He looks at the bomb and he smiles thinly and he's like, I like the quiet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, a rare introspective line from Xander. We almost never get them. Uh, but yeah. I did really like that line. I like the quiet. 
Well, then, because later when he's talking to Cordelia, he's just like, it's just a quiet night for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of like, I don't know, like, I feel like this kind of storytelling, especially transposing those A and B stories or, I don't know, attacking your show's own um, formula, like your the deep roots, as you said. Mm-hmm. I feel like you really only saw this, like, elsewhere on the X-Files. X-Files would do it occasionally, yeah. I mean, Buffy, obviously. I mean, there weren't many shows like this show, so. yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure what other kind of show would do it. I mean, The Simpsons is The Simpsons, so that doesn't really count. But I mean, we get a little bit of it now, but the problem is that TV is so fractured with the bubble growing. We have so much TV, it's hard to notice the really innovative shit. But like the 90s, there was a certain aspect in the late 90s where they were just like, let's break TV and remake it. Well, you can only do this if you've invested in your characters. And a lot yeah. of TV shows now don't really do that. They're just like, here's this labyrinthine plot with lots of twists mm-hmm. and just like a couple of character archetypes that like, you're never going to care that much about. Well, and also now with having streaming shows, apparently in the Netflix model of like, we got to drop 13 episodes now Yeah, is like, you have to have a lot of bullshit twists all the time. Yeah. To keep people in, entertained rather than actually making them want to watch a show just because they're fun characters that you like to spend time with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like we've we've probably made clear on this podcast by now we're a fan of uh, this type of serialized storytelling that is able to stop and take time for individual episodes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was our top moments. Dive into the episode here. I, what is it? What is the name of these weird? Uh, the Sisterhood of the Jih. Yeah, it's like these female demons that they're killing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Faith runs one through with a big ass broadsword. Yeah, Faith with a sword. It's like starts in media ray with a big fight, and everyone pitched in on this. And Willow's like, "Oh, that protection spell worked." And you know, Buffy and Faith took down this thing together. And then they're like, "Oh wait, where's Xander?" And he's just like getting up from getting clobbered. And he's like, "Nope, I'm all right. I'm just a little hazy." You see my spine laying around. Yeah, like Willow also does a spell that basically did like a mystic smoke machine effect. <laughs> and it's very um, right from the start. It's like what do you bring to the table, Xander? Like Willow can do spells and Giles is a watcher and Buffy and Faith are slayers. And Xander is like, I threw my, my face in front of the, her fists basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, I mean like uh, Buffy's just like, Xander, when he says you're going to get yourself hurt, Faith's like, or killed or Buffy's like, or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the credits were at school, we see a lot of like Xander makes like a Jimmy Olsen joke that it's kind of interesting that Faith or uh, Cordelia also echoes later yeah yeah it's like they're still kind of on each other's wavelength so that's fading um so after credits are at school we see a lot of the campus goings on there's like two guys are like playing catch with football on the quad xander is like fucking desperate to have he's, the ball he's trying to him. get in on this game of catch and it's it's kind of sad it's kind of pathetic um, yeah so they throw it xander misses it knocks over the lunch with this like total psycho guy who looks way too old to be a high school student. Well, first of all, like this is kind of all comes down on Xander. It's not his fault. He didn't throw that pass. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the ball knocks like his, he's like holding something and knocks out of his hands. And this guy definitely looks like he's 28 mm-hmm. and he starts getting all up in Xander's face. Jack O'Toole. And then, yeah, he like, he is, his opens the gamut is I ought to cut your face off. Yeah. In the background, Cordelia is just witnessing that she's like walked up to, to watch what's going on here is 
Xander's just trying hard to like play this off cool. And then he's just going to sincerely apologize. And eventually he's just like, Hey man, like what's your deal? <laughs> Uh, and there's some, you know, he's a psychopath, but like he's like a jaw psychopath or a Buffy psychopath. So it's just like, I'm going to get my buddies together and we're going to kick your ass until it's a brand new shape. It's like, okay. <laughs> and Xander's just like, great, thanks. Cordelia's watching this with glee. She is also dressed like a 1980s evil businesswoman. <laughs> yeah, she has a really weird outfit on. And she says, oh, this is a classic Josh setup and i say like the buffy verse like i feel like i've seen like those like aaron sorkin isms videos that i think the guy mm-hmm. from gilmore guys did like this i feel like i've seen this this dialogue set up multiple times where she says oh boy of all your humiliations that i have watched that was the latest mm-hmm. and then the, the brief conversation about how xander doesn't bring anything to the table and she dubs him the zeppo which uh for a show in which a dude asked a girl out on a first date to a Buster Keaton festival, <laughs> Cordelia's dropping some sick Marx Brothers references. And everyone had to go look up and see what the Zeppo was. And they're like, okay, I get it now. The Zeppo is the youngest of the five Marx Brothers who's always like the straight man. Yeah, the, the straight man, the one who seemingly doesn't really bring anything to the table. Yeah. Um, yeah, so even more cutting, though, she tells him he's just straight up not cool. Yeah, it's, it's rough. And, and she walks away because Cordelia is kind of like the Draco of this group. As she walks away, having fully eviscerated him, she was like, there's no part of that that wasn't fun. I feel like Xander could be like, you know, we did make out a whole bunch. So, you know, I guess he made out with a loser in your face. Yeah, that seems like a real classic yeah, response. Burn. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the cafeteria, today's choices are kraut dogs or spaghetti. Ugh. Yeah, I don't want spaghetti from a school lunch for sure. I don't want the kraut. Sauerkraut? Yeah. I don't know. Can you really screw up sauerkraut? Can I just have the hot dogs? Maybe? Okay. You can You can only have a hot dog, no bun. You have to eat it by fisting it. Okay, they are served in the bun in the fucking container. <laughs> I think you're going to get the tongs out and you're going to be like, open your mouth, piggy. All you're getting is the I talk. Just, I just remember when we used to go to A's games. There's this one kid who's always there in the left field bleachers because, like, his parents were, like, big A's fans. And he's, uh-huh. like, he would, like, eat just the hot dog, you know? Like, just he'd, just, he'd just be, like, fisting this foot-long hot dog. And, yeah, it's just always a little okay. disturbing to watch him eat it. Well, also, the choice of words there. Fisting the yeah. dog. Uh-huh. That's right. So did you like, like did just, you want to do the dialogue for this uh, Xander Odyssey scene here? Is he just eating the one dog or like the multiple dogs? Seemingly just the one dog. Um, yeah. Who do you want to be? Uh, I guess I'll be Xander. You can be okay. Honest. Do it. Although you are the taller one. Um, well, do you, I don't have the dialogue yet. You gonna send it to me? Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Copying and pasting. Copying and pasting. Xander's sartorial choice in this scene. He's got like this like salmon colored sweater over like a button up like plaid shirt. It's it's something. Not as cool as the bowling shirt that Oz is wearing, obviously. I just don't know if the word salmon salmon ever be described in anything that I worn. Okay. I know we talked about this before in a previous Buffy thing. It's I'm just saying that's what color it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having having jumped from uh, amends to this episode and watching Gingerbread later, I was like, 
I can't believe that Oz is letting Xander breathe the same air as him. No, it all it makes sense when you watch it. In order. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I went back to Gingerbread, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they basically in Gingerbread they kind of find a common ground in that they both care about Willow and and want to protect her when she's in danger from like the angry mob. When they fall through a roof together. Yeah. Do something like that. How can you not be friends? Uh, so, I get, am I Xander? If you want to be, if that's right. where your heart's leading you. All right, I'll follow be your star. I, I have a lot more dialogue. I feel bad, you know. <laughs> Oz, Oz is so. Uh... No, this was a conscious choice on your part. Okay. I, I, I see you. Sure. Okay. All right, I'll go. But it's just that it's bugging me. This cool thing. I mean, what is it? How do you get it? Who doesn't have it? And who decides who doesn't have it? What is the essence of cool? Oh, sure. I mean, you yourself, Oz, are considered more or less cool. Why is that? Am I? Is it about the talking? You know, the way you tend to express yourself in short, non-committal phrases? Mm. Could be. I know. You're in a band. That's like business class ticket to cool with a complimentary mojo take- after takeoff. I got to learn an instrument. Is it hard to play the guitar? Not the way I play it. Okay, but on the other hand, eighth grade, I'm, ta- I'm taking the fugal horn and getting zero trim. Nice. <laughs> so the whole instrument thing could be a mislead. But you need a thing. One thing nobody else has. What do I have? An exciting new obsession, which I feel makes you very special. Now with the mocking, which I can handle because I know I'm right about this. I'm on the track. I just need to find my thing. Seems like you're overthinking it. I mean, you've got some identity issues. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> As Giles tells us, as we cut over to the library, Giles is telling Buffy about those demons from the start of the episode and what they're up to. This was one of the worlds. There were one of the times that Buffy saved the world a lot. Uh, the wiki. Like six times or something. Well, the wiki I can't trust because it, it really includes all the comic book stuff. Ah, so, according, yeah. so according to the wiki, they've, they've fended off an apocalypse 13 times. And I was like. I don't remember that from the show. I feel like on the show, it's like six or seven, maybe. I, I just know that um, by season five, it sure felt like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they managed to get the finale of season five to be the 100th episode. Yeah, yeah, that worked out pretty much yeah. perfectly. Uh, so anyway, Buffy is talking to Giles when Oz walks in. Um, and he's it's uh, full moon time, so he's got to go lock himself in. There's kind of a strange exchange of dialogue here where Giles looks at his watch. And he's like cutting a little close, aren't we? And Oz's just like, yeah, well, you know me. And it's like, okay, is that is that Oz, Mister Cut It Close? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Also, his werewolf form is more monkey-like. It's been like that the whole time, hasn't it? Uh, possibly, he's kind of a were monkey. Yeah, um, because it's a guy in a suit. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, still pretty good movement. I mean. Yeah, but you can tell, I mean, there's a way that like a dog or wolf's legs would bend that is, yeah, yeah. are obviously not bending. Yeah, I'm just saying that person, they, they can move real good mm-hmm. uh, like a monkey. I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not pulling that off. Um, so also Sister of the G are, are looking to open up the Hellmouth. Um, Buffy and Willow are walking across campus. She's telling Willow about it. Uh, or Willow says that every bad dream she's ever had that isn't about academic failure or public nudity has been about the Hellmouth, except one time she dreamt that it attacked her while she was late for a test and nude. 
But Willis totally in on this research, of course, and this is when Xander shows up with his thing, which is a 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air convertible, which he's borrowing from his uncle Rory, who stacked up a bunch of DUIs. <laughs> yeah. Classy guy. Yeah. By the way, are you hearing all these fireworks go off outside right now? It's, yeah. it's the 4th of July while we're uh, recording this. Which is funny because in town, they canceled the official show. Yeah, I guess people have a lot of their own. My dad, when I saw him earlier today, he's like, oh, I got a bunch of cherry bombs. You want them? And I'm like, no, thanks. I don't know where you got those. But... Was it you had like a four by four backyard? I don't know. If, I don't see you setting those off there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's Cherry bombs, like they just go bang. Like, I don't know. They're not even cool. No, no. Like you remember a... Anthony in his... Uh... Let's just crack open a bunch of uh, fireworks and mix them all into one thing. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was awesome. It was just like this huge flume of white hot, like, uh, you know, sparks. And then it was over. It was cool. In retrospect, we're lucky that we all have eyebrows. Oh, gunpowder is not that dangerous. Considering his his devil may care attitude. I watched a video once. of I was um, making napalm when I was like 10, man. I, I had it under control. Sure, sure, sure. Mr. Mr. Baby Greek Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching a video once of some town or some some official thing celebration where their entire 20-minute fireworks show went off at once. Mm. It was fucking glorious. <laughs> um, anyway, so Buffy mentions the big-time evil they're going to face. Xander's just like, we'll face it together. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Cut to Xander on a donut run. <laughs> also, the LOL of the... Uh, the saga, the, un, the un, previously before untold story of the jellies. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> that should have been my top moment. Yeah, it almost was. Uh, but yeah, Xander's getting some donuts here. And then, oh, unfortunately, Cordy happens to walk up right behind him and immediately like kind of intuits what's going on here. Like, oh, you must have got sit on a donut run. Yeah. Go you. You're so useful. You little mm-hmm. bitch, basically. Yeah, so, you know, she gives him some shit about, like, just because you have a car, anyone's going to know you're still a loser. So some girl comes up who's into it. She's into cars. Some blonde chick who spouts off a bunch of something, something, fuel injection, something, something. I don't know. Just glazed right over it. She's listened to an episode of Car Talk on the way over. Yeah, this is Lizette. Um, So he takes her for a ride. Later, they're at the bronze. She's the same girl. She's still talking about like her exes and car shit. Although, here's Xander's problem: she's talking about like her relationships and the car shit. Like, she's clearly a person who's just obsessed with cars. Like, he could have gotten to know her. Yeah, but I, I feel like what's maybe even communicated here is that like the kind of person who would be into you just because of the kind of car you drive. Maybe yeah, the, yeah. the conversations you'd end up having having you wouldn't be a good match. Maybe, but it's it's also it's a first date. Um, yeah. so Angel shows up. Xander's just like desperate to be rescued from this pretty girl's obsessive cars. Um, and Angel's been seeing portents and needs to find Buffy. I just love, like this almost made my top moments too. Just the way he'd like he's like Angel, buddy, <laughs> like come sit down. And Angel's just like being his usual broody serious self. Like like Xander would never talk to Angel this way. Yeah. So Xander's like, great, let's go find Buffy. And Angel's just like, best you stay out of the way. <laughs> and then the car girl's like, hey, you want to go for another drive? Um, so outside the, yeah, outside the bronze, Sanders like whining to this girl about being excluded from the group. This is a kind of a funny line that's in any other context would be horrendous. The, I mean, I've done some quality violence for these people. <laughs> so they get in, 
He's not paying attention to shit as he pulls forward and rear ends the parked car. He pulls forward like three feet and rear ends the car in front of him. Yeah. So of course, the occupant of that vehicle is Jack O'Toole, and Xander shits his pants. Jack O'Toole has like a giant fucking Bowie knife. He's got like a fucking crocodile Dundee knife. Yeah. And Katie. Um, so <laughs> again, Katie. Yeah. Back at the library, Buffy and Willow are doing some research. This is where like where Oz is like in his cage, like growling at them. Um, Giles, there. The watchers won't take his call because he's just gotten fired. Um, so he's going to talk to worthless the, ass watchers. Yeah, he's going to talk to the spirit guardians who exist out of time. And this is when he stops and looks at the donut box. He's like, "Did you eat all the jellies?" And Buffy looks right. up from her book and she's like, "Did you want a jelly?" And he's like, "I always have a jelly. I'm always the one that says, let 'Let's <laughs> have a jelly in the mix.'" <laughs> and Willis says, "Buffy ate. They're sorry. Buffy ate three. And Buffy, Buffy just doesn't say look- anything." Yeah. Oh, they're just like, aren't I the one who says, let's have a jelly in the mix? <laughs> it's such a random, funny moment in the middle of this episode. <laughs> and the way that, like, it's like not like anything really comes to it. It's just like a nice little funny beat. Yeah. <laughs> I needed, like, one more call back to the jellies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, anyways, they don't want to involved even on another donut run because they, they do Tiles does float the idea of do you want to have Sandra get us some more donuts <laughs> but since he nearly got himself killed last time let's just keep him safe meanwhile outside the brawn Sandra's about to get straight up murdered by Jack O'Toole and I love this line of your car came out of nowhere and Jack O'Toole's like I was parked <laughs> but eventually it's like there's the Katie the giant Bowie knife is being held up to Xander like he's going to get cut um, why do you want it but then yeah I'm fairly certain do i don't it? want it at all and then doesn't he like give the knife to xander here and it's like okay come on you hold the knife well, you, you do me the whole thing is that he's like it's about who has less fear yeah and so even when he gives xander the knife and he's just like now now I, I don't even have a knife and you have this giant knife and i'm still like less like fearful than you but then some cops show and up so it's like i don't want to <laughs> yeah uh this guy von armstrong who's like been a, a small author, authoritarian asshole in like every show from a certain time period. Um, and it's it's the whole Xander, thing where Xander's like, "Oh, no problem here, officer." And it's like, "Oh, he just earned some cool points by like covering for this bully who was bullying him." Um, yeah. And so this guy's like, "Hey, man, you're all right. Maybe you can drive us around." And it's like, "What about your car?" Oh, that was wasn't my car anyway. Yeah, he was just stealing it. Yeah, and it's funny to me how uh, is it Lizette is the girl here. Yeah, yeah, she's like down to hang a suspiciously long amount of time before she suddenly screams and runs away. Like even well, witnessing Xander get like threatened by, by a knife with this guy, she's still like, "Sure, let's try somewhere." Yeah, I mean they they they've watched a pretty she's watched a pretty intense moment involving like, "Where do you want to be penetrated by my knife?" And she's like, "I want to go driving. I'm bored." Yeah. So they go to a graveyard and they're just to like, raise the boys. Yeah, to raise the boys, and Lizette's still there and she's still bored. Um, you can tell this night isn't going the way she'd like to. And then uh, some fucking zombies, I guess they're zombies, right? Um, kind of yeah. crawl up. I mean, they have like consciousness, but yeah, yeah. some rays from the dead, like uh, so Letterman first, dude. Yeah, the first one is Bob, who got, was buried in his Letterman jacket. And this it, is, it isn't until this happens that Lizette finally runs away. Yeah, she's stuck through a, a chanting. Like they've done a ritual, and she's just like, this is fine. Um, this is Michael Cudlitz, who was on The Walking Dead, and he's Anna Lucia's partner on Lost. 
Yeah, it's got, he's been in lots of stuff. He was, um, I think he might have been in like Band of Brothers, like a lot of TV stuff. Yeah. For a while, I always confused this guy with Kubiak. Okay. Yeah, Kubiak's yeah. a little older. Kubiak, that's an old time reference that no one mm-hmm. get. Um, so Lizette finally goes running off, you said. So they go get like all of uh, Jack's friends who are all dead, which is interesting. They're going to bro out. And Bob is very concerned. Hey, Walker, Texas Rangers, bro. And he's like, I taped every episode. <laughs> How insane is it that not only is Key and Alan going to be on that show, he's like playing like the DA or something. Oh, really? Yeah. I figured like, he would have been like the second banana ranger or something well he's like supposed to like walker's brother who's like a lawyer like just i just need to hear keegan allen say the word briefs objection your honor drop the briefs um so the next dude they raise like half of his face has been burned off council is suggesting something not found in evidence oh yeah i could listen to a whole (laughs) hour i'm gonna get keegan allen to do like a john grisham audiobook or maybe just dove over all the lawyer parts from the social network. <laughs> I'm about to find it in evidence. Oh my god, I'm just picturing that now. <laughs> oh, Do shit. I let's deserve just, your respect? Let's just all take a moment and picture him doing every single lawyer's voice. <laughs> I specialize in water. <laughs> anyway. Um, 22,000. Wow, they don't have roads there, but they have Facebook. I just want to hear him uh, do the uh, the Rooney Mara line of just uh, it's well, God, fuck, what is the line now? Like it's uh, Which it's, one? it's not because it's not because you're a nerd; it's because you're an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, you know what? This another cemetery. Giles is like talking to this like sentient cloud in maybe Italian, and then it, like floats away, not wanting to help. And this is the moment you're talking about where Giles is like. There's something different about this. Something in the air. It's the stench of death. It's like, yeah, it's probably Bob. <laughs> and he's like trying to get Giles to like, hey, man, I kind of need your help here. And like, yeah. he's looking over at them. And they're just like, come on, dude. Let's roll. Let's motor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Willie's bar. This place has been like fucking trash. Like Willie's been pretty severely attacked. He tells Buffy the apocalypse is tonight. I- I'm always amazed that these people know more like well, I, I don't just it, yeah, it's always fascinating to me. Just well, because like Willie the Snitch, by calling him that, I think it belittles the fact that this is clearly a small business proprietor, right? Sure. I mean, he's running a business. He's okay. ordering the booze. Okay. He's got like his own Dalton as a cooler. Um, I don't think he has a cooler. You know, there's a cooler in the the demon Did, bar. Didn't seem like it. No. Do mm. you think Lorne has a has a cooler? Yeah, that's a bigger club, so he probably does. Okay, okay. Just I can picture the uh the blind guitar player. Mm-hmm. His name is Dalton. And then they all go back to karaoke. Yeah, so uh, Mor- anyway, so Xander is driving all the bros around and he's clearly not having fun anymore. Even even without the zombies in the backseat, I think he wouldn't be having fun right now. Because there's no. just a bunch of dumb bros and I think he's realizing that like, no, this is not my scene. Yeah, this is not my thing. Yeah. They're like, let's go get some beer. They've raised another dude who's like missing most of the skin on his face. He's like skeletal, but he still has eyes. I think we find out how like one of these guys got thrown off a bridge, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, by another gang. One of them got shot in the head robbing a liquor store. I'm not sure if they give us the other dude's backstory. Uh, 
Jack O'Toole was a drive-by. Yeah. Yeah, so they want to... We don't know Jack O'Toole is a zombie yet, but yeah, they say, oh, let's bake a cake, like pull over. They stop at this hardware store and Xander has the old, oh, I don't think they're open right now. And they just like throw a trash can through the window to break it. And he's like, right, great. He could just drive away. He really should he then. Although it's because he looks over and sees Willow. That's right. So he gets out yeah. and goes to talk to Willow. And I, uh, I really love this moment here where like, she just, just like like about to walk away and she comes back. She's like, Xander, I love you. And she like gives him a big hug. Mm-hmm. And she's um, like, what the fuck? She's leaving the magic shop, which here is now called Uncle Bob's Magical Cabinet, yeah, new ownership, which man. might which might be the grossest thing in the episode. Uncle Bob's Magical Cabinet? Oh, yeah. That's not where I want to be. Okay. Have bad experience spend- with a guy named Bob. <laughs> Do you want to spend five minutes in Uncle Bob's Magical Cabinet? Maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so Xander resolves to like, ditch his umbrellas, but they're not having it, so they like... They want to jump him into the gang. So how does he do it? He's got to die. Yeah. And uh, Xander's just like, well, wait, what about you, Jack? And he's just like, already did like drive by three weeks ago. Uh, and he pulls up his shirt and you can see all these bullets on his chest. And yeah. I guess like his uncle, like was Grandpappy. there. Grandpappy was there on the scene, like resurrect him. That's right. Just like a few minutes. I, I, I do love the exchange of you want to be in the gang, right? Yeah, but I'm not dying to be in the gang. <laughs> if you get the pun there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you too good to be dead. <laughs> so um, there's a great amount of like real violence in this show that's not really addressed, like drive-bys and liquor store shit. Yeah, where is this all happening? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Xander kind of he runs away and kind of like basically just like ducks into this like outdoor seating area and then like hops over it again to like get away. It's like a it's a real like these guys aren't very good at uh, keeping up with him. But he dries yeah. off, and they're just like, oh, man, fine. We'll go get more supplies for our cake that they keep talking about making. Yeah, because he's driven off with the first round of supplies in the back seat. Yeah. Um, so we see Faye fighting a sister Deji on the back lot, uh, like between like a chain link fence and a playground. So Xander pulls up and like hits the demon of his car, and then Faith gets in, and they drive off. Uh, this is kind of funny to me. It's just that they speed back to her like hotel room as if they're being chased. Yeah, yeah, even though they're in a car. They like drive up to the motel room, like run inside, and then she's just like, "Oh, I like you know, pop my uh, shoulder out of socket or something." And she's like, "Hold me," and yeah, he's just like, "Uh, what?" And she's like, "Here," and she kind of puts his hand on her shoulder and pops it back into place. Yeah, it's incredibly hot. I I have in my notes. Wait for Benjo to talk about how hot this like Mel Gibson move is. Like like it isn't fucking incendiary. Come on. Um, so she's all wound up from all that fighting yeah. and you know, killing and she's ready to pop. And she's like, you up for it? And she's just like full on caressing his chest. And he's like, oh, I'm up. Oh. And then she clearly touches his cock. Oh, she reaches down. And uh, yeah, what's the line? Something like, well, I, you know, I'm always up, but I've never been uh, something very up with up. people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the soundtrack straight up does like a porno riff. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, this is like, like total male fantasy here for Xander. Yeah. yeah. Which I do think, I mean, it's it's obviously his fantasy, but it is somewhat subverted the way he just gets thrown out like that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it comes back hard on him a few episodes later in uh, Consequences, the one right right after the one we uh, watched Bad Girls there, where, mm-hmm. like, she basically, like, destroys his self-esteem. <laughs> it's like it meant absolutely nothing. Yeah. Also, it's the first, like, dialogue exchange in Bad Girls. Faith's like, yeah. what, you never bang Xander? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so back in the school library, like like where Oz is like freaking out in his cage, uh, which in what does not seem like a great plan to me, Giles opens the cage so that Willow can shoot him with a trank gun. Yeah, you know, there's holes in that cage. Yeah, what are you doing, Giles? Yeah. Um, so they, they, I think they hit him twice, right? You just walk up and put the barrel through the cage. Yeah. They, they hit him. Tw- is it twice? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And then, and then Willow has to drag her boyfriend's wearable body like, through the school quite a bit on her own. I like that she pets him. I don't know why they can't put him back in the cage. I don't know. Also, maybe, oh, maybe it's because it's too close to the hell mouth. Maybe that's part of it. Like they need to move about. him. Let's, let's talk. Uh, we're all thinking it. We're all friends here. Let's talk werewolf anatomy. Is it like she's, a cat? she's checking. I mean, is it like a cat? Like red rocket situation? Like I've never seen my cat's dick. Really? Respect the privacy. Well, I'm pretty sure it's there. I clean up. I clean that litter box. But mm-hmm. like, you know, is it like flopping around? Like what's what's the I stitch? assume that it's much like a dog where it's, uh, you know, retracted until needed. I mean, it clearly is, you know. More than functioning, he it's implied he has intense werewolf sex with Baruka. Sure, I, I think so, it's it's a total red rocket situation. Okay, I mean, is it, could that be kind of an awkward thing, or it's just like, oh, Oz, sorry, I saw your werewolf dick. Yeah, Chandler Bing, I saw your thing. Um, so back in the car, Xander finally looks at the stuff in the Zombros, the guys like bomb stuff, and it's like, does Xander? It's a hardware store, and then somebody's like, wait, I had sex. Yeah, I just had sex. Uh, so at the mansion, this is the moment you're talking about where they're Buffy and Angel are having one of their melodramatic conversations. Angel wants to sacrifice his life to buy Buffy time. Also, there's something about dating a guy who's just like constantly like, let me sacrifice myself. <laughs> That's my plan A, always. <laughs> I well, want it's out. Like just the music, the lighting, the close-ups. Um, Fireplace. It's, it's yeah. all great. And then just cut to Xander and be like, um, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll come back later. <laughs> so in the library, Giles is like starting like a ritual of like markings on the floor and candles and shit. That's when Willow's like moved where Oz. We don't find out where because it's going to play into the thing later. I, I think it must be that they, they don't want him that close to the hell mouth. I'm, I'm guessing that's what that is. Because mm. I, I don't know that he was actually going to like break out of the cage. Uh, they probably say some sort of reason for it that I just like glossed over. I mean, like if, if you had Seth Green more regularly and he was going to stay on the show, I kind of wonder if it'd be like a whole like Hulk thing constantly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you, you have like, like two characters? You can like go to that so many times. But anyway, it, it pans down below the uh, candles. Willow's lighting there too. Right below, seemingly like right on top of the Hellmouth there, these uh, zombie bros are like pr- rigging this big bomb on top of like an oil drum. Well, uh, 60 right minutes under. and counting. Yeah, I mean it can't be right under because the tentacles and the ship break through. But that's yeah. true. Yeah, um, this is the moment then where after the commercial where he grabs the one guy and drags yeah. him alongside the car. Oh shit! Uh, they get to the school. He like runs down the hallway. He's like passing the door to the basement. They're following him. Uh, we cut inside and we see that that thing where like the, the rest of the Scooby gangs like fighting off the Hellmouth tentacles. It's it's like weird like dragon heads like just coming through walls here and there. It seems A little pretty bit of crazy. That, Little like uh like Dune slash uh, Tremors sandworms. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Bob has got himself like a fire axe. He's like going after Xander at one point. Xander uses it to kick over like an old timey vending machine on Bob's head. I mean, Xander he takes out Bob by just like squishing Bob's head with a vending machine, 
And then uh, the other guy, I think, gets got by one of these tentacles, right? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, the sister of the G, like, drag him into a room. That's right. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. And then the tentacle comes out at Xander as he's watching it. Yeah. There's a cool shot where, like, the uh, the doors of the library blow open and, like, you see Buffy get thrown back, like, 20 feet down the hallway. <laughs> and she uh-huh. just gets up and runs back in. <laughs> and that's just all happening in the background. I feel like I'm hearing the fireworks both through your yeah yeah through the call and then outside my window yeah. um yeah there's like a benny hill moment as Anna like chases the one dude around a corner and then they're both coming back out as like the, the demons are following them they need to do the moment where like the scooby-doo moment where they all start running in and out of hallways and like suddenly they're chasing them yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like enough. i said it's yeah. scooby-doo slash benny hill yeah same thing um so Xander goes down to the the boiler room uh so he has this like moment with jack o'toole like they're fighting at first and then the whole I'm not afraid to die I already died. Um and then Jack, oh, Jack O'Toole is so so kind of like demoted by or I don't know, demoted aren't cucked, let's just say it. Uh by uh, Xander here that he's like Xander can just be like, I don't want to see you around anymore. Yeah. I mean at one point Buffy's like on top of the the Hellmouth demon with like uh, like an axe. It's crazy. They're all like <laughs> What I love too is the, the the aftermath the next day after Xander's disarmed this thing. They're all just like talking about it, and like, "Wow, I can't believe you did that, Giles. It was so brave." And it's like you don't know what they're talking about, but it's perfect. Yeah. Um. So after like Xander's like you know as you said, cut Jack O'Toole left. Jack O'Toole is just like, "I'm not going anywhere, Harris." The first time you turn your back and he opens the door, like warehouse, like jumps out and eats him. <laughs> So we see that next day thing where they're all reflecting on their night. Like Buffy's got her arm in her sling. Giles, like the side of his face is all scratched up. Willow has some intense lines like, even after the Hellmouth was closed, you could still hear its screams. And even Willow's never, bruised, yeah. I'll never forget that thing's face. It's real face. Um, <laughs> Angel was knocked out for a while. I love uh, the vagueness of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Willow's just like, no one will ever know how close the world came to ending. And then Xander walks up and she's like, you're lucky you weren't at school last night. It was crazed. And he's like, well, give me the quiet life. And he offers to get him snacks, including Oz. And of course, Oz is like, no, I'm oddly full today. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing Oz didn't suffer any ill effects from eating a you know, corpse, basically. Well, I think that they said he wasn't too spoiled. I guess so, yeah. Uh, though, I mean, he clearly has bullet holes that have not healed would that smell funny you would think so like is that just like jack o'toole's thing is like he stinks maybe he covers it up with a lot of like casey one well like axe no i don't axe didn't exist back then you say casey one or ck one i think i said casey but i should be saying ck one right yeah okay okay yeah good old ck one i remember i had some of that for a while it's an obsession with calvin klein uh and then at the Uh, end cordy comes up to talk to xander again and just looking to kind of like verbally destroy him again, but he's not taking it anymore. He, you know, it's it, her powers don't work on him. And she's, he just kind of smiles and walks past her. And she's like, wait, what, what do you, you know, like what's going on? Well, in the, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's justified all these years later. Cause he's not saying anything. Yeah. For once he does like, I like that his kind of um, victory here. Wow. Are you hearing that? What was that? Yeah, what is that? I don't even know. There's a lot of fireworks, I guess. Sorry about that, guys. Um, Xander's victory, so to speak, over Cordy isn't like he's going to deliver like the most withering put down against her. Instead, he learns to kind of shut his mouth and just smile. And like, you know, his self-esteem has grown a little bit. 
she's like what what uh-huh. um and i wrote in my notes and he walks off with some kind of confidence yeah <laughs> i mean i'd say it's earned confidence he had his own little trial uh, by fire, yeah. yeah trial by fire his own adventure where he had to fend for himself and have a heroic moment mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, as, I mean, as mentioned I, when bad girl starts he also slept with faith yeah again shocking that like of, of a lot of the xander episodes we've covered so far this one mostly holds up the best yeah yeah yeah. i think all, all of these three really i think it does feel like they've turned a corner with this character a little bit um they will lose that corner. yeah yeah that's it's it's almost a bummer i mean i guess you could say real life goes that way sometimes but he definitely does not maintain this momentum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then i think the oh god the the most damning image of xander on the show but most accurate is um again it's selfless an episode that i adore when we get the flashback to once more feeling and it's like xander's just like sleeping after his construction job in a chair well, like that's that's what his life is like i don't know i you're really gonna hold that against him not i guess i guess not hold against him but like that's where his life goes it's like he works a very physical Uh job that's like very demanding and he'll probably have a bad back later in life whereas in the comics he becomes like nick fury yeah like the leader of the slayers yeah anyway 314 bad girls um it just feels weird to see that this is from february of 1999 so we've got a sweeps episode here it's a big episode uh written by douglas petrie um i have five moments finally i have five as well wow go for it all right um i'll bet you have this one it's uh when wesley and giles both start cleaning their glasses in like the same exact way sort of i have that sort of uh number five i have I don't know. This is weird. I have the death of Balthazar because it's gross and it's kind of a whiz of effects of like makeup at the time. Oh, it's so gross. That guy's just fucking disgusting. Yeah. Well, it's like, how could this be more gross? Let's just like burn him. Uh-huh. Uh, number four, I've got the when Faith is walking in and sees Wesley there. She says, new watcher. And Buffy says, new watcher. And Faith says, screw that. And, leaves. and like, you're so with Faith on that because like Wesley just sucks. Yeah. Uh, and number four is Buffy and Faith breaking up a nest of vamps during daylight and then going clubbing. And by clubbing, I mean at the bronze. Uh, also, this curve song that they're like dancing to is essentially like smack my bitch up light. All right. Uh, my number three is so I'm sensing that maybe not the episode didn't always end this way, but uh, this is how it ended for me is mm. Buffy, she's talking to Faith after, you know, Faith has accidentally killed the deputy mayor, and Buffy says, you don't get it. You killed a man. And Faith says, no, you don't get it. I don't care. And then just cuts the credits. It's like, that's how the episode ends. It's extremely brutal. Yeah. No, no. So the, the original ending, I don't think they filmed. It was going to be Faith's last scene on the show. Oh, okay. And so the decision was made to keep Faith going past this. Um, It's dark. Anyway, so. Oh, you're saying this scene, the way it ends is dark. No, 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 no. I'm saying, the, I'll just say it. The original ending is that when Buffy goes to the hotel to confront Faith, she just finds Faith, Faith hanging there. Oh, news. Jesus. Yeah, it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, following amends. It's yeah. Like, especially dark. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that was going to be, like, Faith's last scene. Okay, so they never filmed it then. Okay. Yeah, they never filmed it. So I, 
Yeah. You made it sound Thank like God. there were like two endings to this. And no, like, no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that was the original plan for Fates. Uh, my number three is kind of what you said. Pretty much any of the scenes with Giles and Wesley together. Uh, again, I, you know, I, I love Wesley later on in the Buffy verse, but like, I, I feel like in in Buffy itself, he always sucks. I think he got better. Well, he's kind on of Angel. a creep too. Yeah, well, he's once Cordelia creep. shows yeah. up. But uh, just the way he's here to like be a tool for everyone to calibrate their dunks on. Yeah. But I, I like that he's. You know, in his own way, like he's that that trope of like he's done the research, he just doesn't have the experience. He's a little like bit the map that. of the territory. He also, are, are I was different. surprised to see how much he looks like uh, Killian Murphy when he takes his glasses off. Like, mm. like a young Wesley Wyndham Price here, uh, Alexis Denisoff. He looks a lot like Killian Murphy. This is the original Byron Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, so my number two is you just picture Arya. It'd be a shame if your mom found out. He <laughs> would be too sinister. Yeah, I mean, he seems sinister. Byron's a creep, but kind of like a a guileless creep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. It, Just imagine at some point there is an episode of Angel. I'll never forget this scene when Angel goes to visit Wesley in the hospital after he's been like had his throat slit, uh-huh. and he's just like, "You're probably thinking I'm here to forgive you. Where you're wrong." He tries to smother him with a pillow. <laughs> That well, still like, blows my mind. <laughs> like Byron Montgomery, you absolutely believe that he'll like go to the uh, the head of his department or or the dean or whatever to like try to screw somebody over, you know, uh-huh. using his levers of power. Whereas like if uh, Alexis Denisoff was playing Byron, you feel like he might kill someone for sure. Like that would be his revenge. Yeah, we need we need the Alexis Denisoff like serious scotch moment and the uh like raising it to his lips while smiling across the faculty party. Yeah. But like yeah. you're you're not worried about what he might do with the dean of admissions or whatever. You're worried that he's going to like put you in a box. Ooh, nice. Anyway, number 2, Giles fencing at the end there and like the big fight with Balthazar. <laughs> I mean, it's just extreme big dilf energy from Giles yeah. through this whole episode. Just starts fencing. <laughs> Uh, what I love to is like they've established these these guys are badass. <laughs> the oh yeah, is just fencing. Um, my number two is the mayor does his ritual and then lets the vampire out who slices his head in half, only to have it back into place. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Uh, it's my number one. You mentioned it. Just the cut from them raiding the vampire nest to just like getting down, like doing some bad girl dancing. There is iconic moment. Buffy and Faith. Mm-hmm. This is this is the dream of Buffy and Faith. This is what they could be. If, uh, um, if they only hadn't flown too close to the sun. And again, kind of kind of like an addiction, like like metaphor or, or like the, the good times, like being addicted to partying or whatever. And then like one of you screws up is kind of the thing going on in this episode. Yeah. There's, my number one. There's also some subtext you could read in there if you want to. Oh, yeah. My number one is the, I completely forgot about this scene, the chemistry test where Buffy just won't shut the fuck oh, yeah. up about her night <laughs> with Faith. Like, she is told like six times, shut the fuck up. And she's just like, anyway. And then, of course, to make that even more comedic is in like Faith being like, sup, what are you doing? Taking a test? Fuck that. Let's go hunt vampires. Well, the whole that- class is like, oh, shit, the legend of Buffy Summers. This girl skipped out of a chemistry test during the test. <laughs> just like went right out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I think they, they, they can't do that at schools anymore, right? There's no creeping out the window. 
I would. I well, I mean, most schools have like big ass fences around them, right? Yeah, yeah. This school has a shit. I mean, what is what is Wesley's like? How is he on campus? (laughs) (laughs) He's not even wearing like a visitor badge. Like, how does he? And he's just gonna show up there every single day. Uh, I feel like Wesley's like number one. Let's move this operation out of the school library. (laughs) Anywho. So, yeah, let's jump into the episode where it starts out with Buffy and Faith. They're fighting mm-hmm. some vamps, mm-hmm. doing some staking. And I think uh, the, the, these are all the guys in, like, the suits, right? They all have, like, the weird armor. Like the um, medieval-looking yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, as usual, like, they're not really, you know, working together as a team when this other dude shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, although Faith just has this whole line. Like, like, it starts out, they're talking about xander and like has buffy ever slept with xander and she's like no obviously not xander's just a friend and buffy and faith is just like you never you know just kind of you're after a slayer or whatever and buffy's like nope yeah yeah they're not sideways friends um yeah so they stop this medieval looking vamp um they want to take the weapons of giles but they disappeared cut to the mayor's office where mr trick has procured the swords for the mayor because they're old. Um, the mayor is distracted by the newspaper comics. Oh, there's, know he's there's evil. a whole, yeah, we know he's evil because he's reading uh, family circus here and then loving it. Um, which is, you know, on your two page spread, it's down at the bottom, just waiting to suck. Mr. Uh, Trick, Mr. Trick looks Marmaduke because no one can tell him what to do. What kind of dog? And then the fucking deputy mayor here is like, I read Kathy. And it's just like, thunk. Yeah. Cold stairs, crickets. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is going to have a real ack Mondays. <laughs> That's probably a Garfield thing. The ack is definitely Kathy. It's been so long Monday. since I've even, like, they still print comics. I haven't seen a newspaper in so long. <laughs> Do they still print things? I re- I just remember for like a year straight, I was like, I'm going to read Spider-Man every day to keep up with the story that's supposedly happening. And it was, it was incoherent. Like there's, there wasn't an actual story there. Man, it's no, just I mean, going fucking nuts outside right now. Sorry about that. Sounds like like chairs being dragged. It, it sounds um, like hail on my ceiling or my roof. Word, yeah, word. Like it's like a fucking war zone of pyrotechnics outside your window. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like, like those fucking three like panels of Spider Man, uh-huh. in which like some days Spider Man doesn't appear at all. No, it's just like <laughs> oh, like it's J. Jonah Jameson like talking to his secretary. You're like great. I'm so glad I checked in. Um, yeah, so the dedication's coming up, which is like the next step in the mayor's ascension. He does that power move where he gets up and he like rock walks like right at the deputy mayor, making him move out of the way. Oh, and then just he, so he can go to the cabinet, which has skulls and a cult shit in there to get his wet wipes. Yeah, he, he opens this thing that we know like some bad shit is inside. And we're like, oh, what's going to do? And then he just gets a wet wipe out, yeah. wipes his hands off, and then hands the wet wipe to the deputy. Yeah, it's like throwaway, yeah. Uh, so after the credits, which feel like deputy mayors have different job to, duties to do than this, but whatever. Yeah. A- after the credits, everyone's like sitting in that lounge area and like Xander's like looking at like Willow's early acceptance from college. Oz dyed his hair black. Oz now has, yeah. Do you remember when um, I dyed my hair? Which time? You did a lot. I I remember I did one in high school. That was like the first time I did it. I dyed it black. Mm. Like Oz mm. here. I'm trying to figure some things out. Did it get you what you were looking for? Uh, it was, you know, it was a different thing for a while. Get you attention? 
don't know if it really got me that way. I, mean, I wasn't trying to get attention. I just wanted to okay. do something different. Okay. Okay. Is it hard to play guitar? Not the way I do. Okay. Uh, Xander keeps like class clowning about how dumb he is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which ob- obvious point. defense mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a certain point. Stop being funny. Uh-huh. Um, well, stop Osmer's- being funny in a couple of years when he's uh, tired from coming home at work and then you're there to shit all over him for it. <laughs> Also, well, I mean, it's what a dichotomy too, because there's, uh, uh, you know, Anya, Emmanuel, whatever, 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 Jenkins, like doing her incredible, <laughs> Born on the Fourth of like, July. Song. Yeah, doing her incredible song. I love that song too. I wish they would re-release that soundtrack with uh, it on there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so Oz reminds us and mostly me that he got held back from his senior year. Um, Even though Oz he, looks like he could be a grade below either all of them. Because of the height, because he's so yeah. tiny. Well, yeah. like I wonder how old he was then. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was the youngest on the cast. Interesting. Well, I mean, he's the one who had the other than him, other than SMG and maybe Anthony Stewart had in England. He probably had the most career. Yeah, but like it was a younger. Let's see, how old is Seth Green? Oh wow, he's forty six. Okay, so maybe he's a little. Older but he's way thought. older. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Creeley comes over to like pass another cutting remark onto Xander. Uh, he basically tells her that she looks like a prostitute. Yeah, that's a rough line. Although he, I mean, she, she looks amazing. He he says something like "hookers are us," or you know, it's like like where'd you get those clothes type deal. Then she comes right back with, um, "I dress like you, but my father has a job," which is just holy shit. <laughs> he has switch schools after that one. <laughs> which I don't know, like. Are you that, saying that are you saying that she should have like then tossed a shovel to Willow to yeah. go bury a grave for Sand? Basically, yeah. <laughs> Which like it is a funny moment, although it's a little problematic that like the Xander diss is always sexual in nature, you know? Like like oh, her diss her, yeah, like her diss hers are, of, hers are economic and her, his are sexual. Hers of him isn't like always like completely about like his manhood or anything, but his are always like basically your slut. Well, like Margaret Atwood said, you know, men yeah. are always afraid that women are going to call them poor yeah. and women are going to say it. <laughs> I dress like you, but my father has a job. Well, anyway, like Willow, even... do you want to go bury that corpse before it starts to smell? <laughs> that motherfucker's dead. Nobody talked to Xander anymore. Yeah. He's deceased. <laughs> but uh, it's especially sad, though, when you find out that it's all like this weird deflection because like she is poor now. Does she know that yet? I don't know when she's found out, but we'll find out. I, I feel I'm, like I'm, in I can. I know. Retrospect, even, it had to be in the works. Even though we're not going to talk about every episode, I will be watching every episode of the rest of the season. Like I, I watched all the way up to I think enemies. Um, after this, word. Um. Yeah. So in the library, Giles is like putting up with Wesley, our boy Wesley here. Um. This is our introduction to Wesley Wyndham Price, the new Watcher? God, he yeah. sucks. Yeah. I need to go back and watch the uh, Gwendolyn Post episode just because I'm curious. But yeah, he's like the most stuck up square when he meets Buffy. Uh, just like an entire fucking Big Ben up his asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do they explain his presence at the school? I just want to know. It's like um, another you know, librarian. They have two librarians now. Or junior librarian. It's like something in like Giles' contract. He has like super special tenure. They can't fire him. I will never forget um uh, my last year at our high school we won some award uh-huh. you remember and we had to go to the school board meeting which was pathetic it happened like in the uh, cafeteria and um 
right before they were going to present us the award, the the school's librarian had to get up and complain because she's lost her job. I do not remember and, that. Oh, it was so sad. It was like, I don't think this had been reported anywhere. And it was like, they'd fired the librarian just because they were just cutting the position. And it was like, we're just going to have a library with no employees whatsoever. And it's like, well, okay, are you checking out books or what would people do when they return the books? Just like throw them on the floor, you know, bare minimum, never mind all the other things that this person does. And it was just so sad to watch this woman be like, anyway, I feel like a school needs a librarian and a library. So if you want to hire me back and it's just like, then we're getting up to get an award. And I wanted to be like, Hey, how about instead of the award, you just give this woman her job back. Fuck you people. Uh, anyway. uh, by the way, a quick uh, just age check. Uh, Charisma Carpenter and Nicholas Brenner are both 49 now, so they would have been the same age. Allison Hannigan and Seth Green were both the same age. At, uh, they're 46 now. And then SMG is three years younger than them. She was 40, 43 now. So, okay. There you go. So they were all older than their characters. I mean, way older than their yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, I but feel like I, I'm I would not have guessed that Sir Michelle Gellar would be the youngest, but I guess so. Yeah, well, she... She nailed it. Well, um, let, me, let me check Faith real quick. Uh, Liza Dushku. I'm going to yeah. guess that. I think she was pretty I mean, who, young at the time. Who obviously also. Oh, yeah. She's 39 now. So she was, you know, even young. four years younger than SMG. Wow. Yeah. Infamously also had a career before the show when uh-huh. she was in True Lies. Um, I, I read somewhere that like her parents were like very strict Mormons or something. So she wasn't allowed to do certain types of scenes. Like, like I, I imagine they probably use like body doubles for a lot of the stuff with Xander. Interesting. Yeah. Or she would have been under 18 when doing this. Maybe, yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, or just 18. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if that adds into the whole thing of the True Lies situation. I mean, we don't need to bring that up. Yeah. Um, so, what, Wesley. What are you doing there? Are you like wiggling your desk? No, my my phone is vibrating. Okay. Uh, Wesley mentioned. Sorry, it's not fireworks happening. Mm-hmm. It's just a text message. Um, Wesley mentioned his knowledge because of like how thoroughly he's researched the town and he's like i didn't get this job because of my looks he's like i really really believe that <laughs> oh he's such a uh, douche yeah um buffy's also very 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 purple in her outfit here yeah i was reading somewhere like if you watch this season overall it's buffy's like in tons of like pinks and purples and pastels and whatnot and faith is always like the harsh like you know black and red White. Yeah. Or white, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so walking she has like a outside. flower in her hair. <laughs> she looks very 50s in a way. Yeah. Um, Buffy's like walking, you know, out after Faith, walking through the school, you know, um, knowing that she has to follow Wesley's orders because that's the job. Um, so Faith's basically trying to get Buffy to get more in touch with the primal nature of slang, like the itching to kill, the rampant horniness. Um, so Buffy goes and investigates some crypt because there's like a demon that these this cult, this medieval cult work for, and the demon's supposedly dead, and they need a mystic amulet, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she was sent to get this amulet by uh, by Wesley. So they they she goes to like these like tombs in this crypt and like finds the amulet, but then like the the vamps are showing up, so she has to like hide in one of the other like tombs, which I think would have been a interesting sequence in a whole other episode. Um, yeah. if shows up, and so there's a whole like manhole thing where they're dropping down in the manhole and like 
Faith's like, let's follow them. And Buffy's just like, we don't have a plan. It's just a dark, disgusting hole. And Faith is um, like, I have a plan. Attack. Yeah. Well, I, I love Faith's just whole like, well, if you don't come in there after me, I might die. And then she jumps in, like yeah. giving Buffy no choice. Also, it's a fucking sewer. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff with Faith here, you can interpret as Faith probably feels uncomfortable about herself. And so mm-hmm. she she wants to see Buffy kind of display some of the same types of behaviors and she'll feel better about herself kind of thing. I think is what it is. Like she doesn't want to feel like the weird one. Yeah, but she's also not fully connected to how severe some of her actions are, obviously. Um yeah, I mean, but she's and she's running away from a lot yeah. of things, like a lot of little painful realizations, which has been Faith's whole thing, you know, since she showed up. So after the commercial, the library, like Wesley's going over Giles' old diaries about dealing with Buffy. He's like quoting them, like the Slayers, willful and ignorant. So for Giles, has, like, he mentions he has a fatherly concern about Buffy not being back yet. And Wesley's like, not to worry. Our mission scenario has her back in one minute. <laughs> Cut to Buffy and Faith taking on like, six of these vampires in this underground uh, sewer situation. Like sewer cave. Yeah, yeah, which I feel like they've used this location for other stuff. There's like fountain. Minimal modifications. Yeah. or some sort of little like pond area. Like a pond fountain in a sewer. Buffy almost, almost gets like she, drowned here. Well, like the sound drops out for a moment. We're like, oh shit. And then she pops her head back out and she's like, I hate when they drown me. You need to just get a new head, Buffy. You can't wash that thing. Well, and there's like these moments where like Faith is up against the wall and then like Buffy throws something and like, you know, stabs a vampire in the back. And like they exchange these like weird kind of smiles at each other. Like Faith yeah. is, uh, she's really enjoying this new partnership here. Well, it's like, it's like the, the drowning, which obviously touches into some primal issues with Buffy's background has like kind of pushed her to that point where Faith wants her. Now she's a little wild herself. Uh-huh. Like Faith has rubbed off on her then some. So, you know, the next day, Wesley's not as, as pleased with Buffy's success, whereas Giles, like, shows concern for her. Um, again, she talks about how she washed her hair 500 times, which is not enough. It's on a sewer, in a pond. Ugh. Wesley's like, remember the three words that are key to the Slayer. Preparation, preparation, preparation. And she's like, that's one word three times. Burned. And then she gets up and she's just like, Giles, we need to talk. And Wesley's like, uh, Buffy? He's like, I must ask you to remember that I am your watcher. From now on, anything you have to say about slang, what you say to me, the only thing you discuss with Mr. Giles is over to a book fees, understood? And then Buffy turns to Giles and she's just like, we'll talk. And Giles <laughs> is like, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Wesley, if you didn't want to get uh, the old freeze out, you know, as the new guy, you could be a little bit less of a douche, like right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, yeah. You could put so a little less so of effort in, yeah. Well, also, get rid of Giles. What do you mean, get rid of Giles? Well, because like he like once she he leaves, still works there. well, but once he like, he leaves, he's like, you know, you're not helping. And Giles is like, I know, I just feel so sick about it. <laughs> but it's like this whole operation of, of Wesley's the watcher. He doesn't work in the library. They don't need to be in the library. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he will have less access during the day to Buffy. But although, I mean, can he command Buffy to go somewhere else? She's like, oh, I'm going to hang out in the library. I'm just saying, it's like. If you get the boss job from somebody else, don't keep the person who you've just displaced hanging well, out. He doesn't like, have a choice, really. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this next scene is the one where Buffy has to take a chem <laughs> test, but she keeps wanting to talk about Faith. I mean, I, I guess what we're supposed to be getting here is that she was like awoken by that last fight and it like 
it really excited her beyond just like a normal vamp killing mission there. So the 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 block of this, they're at the last two tables in this like science, like typical science classroom. Like you have like the table, like two uh-huh. people sit side by side. So Willow and Xander are at the last table, and Buffy's sitting at the table in front of them, completely turned around, telling them the story. The dude sitting next to Buffy is hearing this quite frankly insane story about slaying vampires in the goddamn sewer. Like this guy has just got to be like telling everyone at the school, like you don't know how crazy Buffy Summers is. Can I talk about my favorite, one of my favorite faith moments in the episode here? Please. When she comes to the window and she's Mm -hmm. all excited to see Buffy. And then she does the move where she breathes on the glass and then draws a heart and a little (laughs) stake in it, uh, which there's definitely some subtext here, at least on Faith's part. I don't think Buffy is really into it or even picking up on it, but I think Faith is a little into it for sure. Well, I mean, considering how connected the slang is to the sec- their sexuality, uh-huh. how they express it. I mean, I mean, I, I think I, in the comics, it's it's eventually shown that Buffy's bisexual. Doesn't she sleep with like Willow or something eventually? She sleeps with one of the other slayers. Okay. Okay. Cause I remember seeing like a, just like a picture of that page of the comic. I feel like if Buffy slept with Willow, we'd start talking about that. We'd never stop talking about that. No, it's still a comic though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Xander's eye twitches every time Buffy says Faith's name. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like the weird response. Uh, I I don't know. I guess it's just he has a, a physical reaction. To me, that implies that he's like embarrassed, and I don't think that's what he should be embarrassed about, unless he views her negatively, like he viewed I Cordelia. I don't think he's embarrassed. I think he's it's it's like a, a private thing that he doesn't really know. Like he's probably trying not to say it out loud. I guess I am shocked at his restraint. Uh, I mean, it's Faith, though. I feel like that's not somebody you really want to mess around with. Like, she might just murder you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a fear. Like, maybe he's afraid of her telling people. I don't know. I think it's based where it goes. I think there's a little bit of a self-esteem thing there where, like, he doesn't really want it to be like he was just the boy toy, I think. But that's that's what he's going to discover he was, you know. But I, I think he... Like, doesn't maybe want to acknowledge that. Well, I can just uh, quote George Michael talking to maybe. What a fun, sexy time for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they like, killed, like, the vamps, like, in a nest, like, during the day. Um, and then they, they go to the bronze and they dance. Party the bronze. Some, there's some dudes who just slide in there and start, like, night at the rocks burying them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, like, five dudes. But I mean, this is like iconic Buffy Faith moment on the show. This definitely makes yeah. it into the credits. I'm pretty sure, right? This yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. shot here. Um, Angel struts over elsewhere and sees this. Um, I would, I love this this moment of the stalwart, like stick up his ass, older boyfriend watching his younger girlfriend like get a little <laughs> wild in a way he doesn't approve of. Oh, and then she comes over and basically like leaps onto him and like wraps yeah. her legs around him. She's cutesy and flirty and he's like jealous and sullen uh-huh. uh he keeps like putting distance between them and then it's like i feel like this would be such an interesting scene and then fucking wesley shows up it is funny just to watch so michelle geller play the scene this way because like we yeah. rarely get buffy kind of like this overtly sexual mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. kind of like aggressive about it well and it's it's kind of funny is 
And I feel like next season, Faith will try to recapture the almost the high of this when she becomes Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, then Wesley shows up. This scene is pretty funny. This almost made my top moments. Just like Wesley trying to keep up with the usual, you know, it's kind of similar to the Zeppo, like the the weird drama and the history between Buffy and Angel here. And he's just like in the middle of it, completely lost and clueless. There's a lot of like just funny moments. Like number one, he's just like, if you're not slaying, I need a phone number where you can be reached. Um, he starts like whispering <laughs> to her because Angel's there. She Which, she just like reaches fun. into his coat to pull out the amulet. Well, because he's he's like, you don't need to know where the amulet is. It's someplace safe. And she just like reaches into the coat and pulls it out. And she's like, it made your jacket like poof out. Uh, and then she just like tosses it to Angel, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Angel's just like, I'll hang on. Yeah. So uh, Buffy goes to get Faith so they can rock and roll and take on Balthazar. Also, I feel like it should be noted they're full on just like smooching again. So. Oh, they started dating again after amends, right? I guess so. Yeah, I guess they they found a way to at least kind of date, you know, just with some strong boundaries happening there. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and then we see Balthazar, who's just just fucking disgusting. I guess it's a demon. It's like the super bloated that demon, where like it's in a giant like uh, I don't know, like a little hot tub type situation, like a you know. I mean, what would you even call that? The only thing that makes me think it was a hot tub, but there's dudes are just like ladling water over him constantly. It's so I gross. would, I would call it a, uh, uh, an above ground pool of his yeah. own filth. Yeah. Just the ladling of water constantly is so fucking gross. And then the, the fact that like his like kind of stomach girth appears to have some sort of, uh, front butt. Yeah. It's a, uh, some sort of opening, that may or may not like magically suck things into it. God, it's disgusting. Okay, no, it, it's <laughs> it's not like a videodrome orifice. It's like it's just he's got fault. No, that's an orifice, dude. It's doing something when he when he pulls he's, people to him, he just, puts it right he's on just, it. He's just he's just rubbing them against him. I his, think he's his, doing something his, with it. He's just pulling them towards him. If his like, you know what? If powers. that helps you sleep better at night, but I unfortunately, I I I, I, I don't want to like body shame this fictional demon character because i feel like it's playing against a lot of like oh it absolutely is obesity stereotypes i I think that weird thing is like an actual orifice in front i don't think it's just a fold well you there at home you decide hashtag orifice he pulls one of the vampires like right onto it it's so fucking gross i think he's just but he clearly doesn't have a ton of mobility issues as it is i mean what's gross is that he pulls the guy at him and then just like breaks his neck and it's like it's a vampire what yeah. is breaking his neck to? i can is wait for the like... vampire to dust yeah um so outside like buffy and faith are just like scoping the scene uh they need some artillery so they see a sports store sports supply store across the street and faith, or faith leaves buffy over there and she convinces buffy that the slayer ethos should be want take have and that they're better um, than other people she's the uh the magneto to buffy's charles xavier here yeah there you go um <laughs> starts like smashing glass displays like cases of steel weapons this sports store sure sells a lot of crossbows and nunchucks and daggers i like the nunchucks yeah uh, like faith picks up this big old like compound bow like and it's funny that she tries to use it later and it's like it's like no she doesn't even know how wow so they weren't done with the fireworks before oh, no, they're still fucking going they'll be going for a while seemingly 
Uh, um, then the cops show up and they're just like, freeze, don't move. Row. They just point guns at them. They're slayers. Come on. I, I would love if like one of these cops was the same guy who like in season two finale also <laughs> tried this foolishly. Yeah, letting some lead fly at them. Um, I cannot believe that they just let themselves get arrested. I mean, it's it's weird, oh, especially they, now. Watching, they've got guns on them, I guess, you know. The guy had a gun on Buffy before in the season two finale. I mean, it's weird to watch just cops taking our girls, you know. I mean, I know everyone in this show is white as fuck, so it's not like they're in danger. Um, but yeah. um, so they get arrested and then they're they, they're being driven, you know, in the back of the cop car. And the one guy's just like, you two in some kind of girl gang. Something like that. They're the slaves. Yeah. yeah. And then this is when they finally is just like, want to get out of here? Can't save the world from jail. <laughs> they just like kick through the screen that caused the, the car yeah. to, yeah, the cage that caused the car to crash. And they just get out. And yeah. uh, it's, they crash in the land of cars in that same kind of patch of flat land that they always show us in Buffy. Like yep. that's where the funeral was that we talked about in uh, Lover's Walk. Oh, I think this is just like across the street from the warehouse where they film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is probably the cemetery that they just pull in yeah. headstones in and out of. Um, so they got their handcuffs. They run off. Um, the next morning, Buffy's like frantically checking the newspaper for a report of their activities the night before. You wish they had the Hastings kitchen. Exposition news TV. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like that quicker. scene. The kind of the the worry and the guilt about you know, like, are we going to get in trouble here? She's looking for any report of it. I mean, I'm shocked that like, I know you know, tonally it'd be all wrong, but I'm shocked that Buffy isn't flipping through the pages and being like, ugh, fucking Kathy. Anyone who reads Kathy's dog shit. I mean, what what comic or you know cartoon would Buffy be reading there? Uh, I think God. Calvin House was probably over by then. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah definitely. Maybe, by like 99, maybe. yeah, for sure. What about Far Side? Was that over? Maybe. Yeah, it might have been. I would say like all the, the comics that I can remember from that time are not Buffy. I fair. think the big like, comic then was the Dilbert. Ugh. Uh, I remember when Dilbert was just a fun little comic about work and the maybe. creator wasn't some crazy fucking right-wing asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I don't know, maybe Giles read, like, Andy Cap. I don't know. Um, or Zitz. Anyway, so uh, Joyce, ever the motherly dork, walks in the kitchen. And it's just like, admit it. <laughs> Some days you just want to wake up and say, to hell with the diet. Want to make waffles? Well, the whole joke about how the calories don't count if I'm making them for you. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, it's the, the the scene where she's just like, what did you and Faith get up to last night? But he's, like, clearly feeling guilty about it. Um, anyway, the mayor does a photo op with the Boy Scouts. You know, have fun on that cabbie trip. Don't forget to roast a wiener for me. Um, That's a little creepy. A after this. Yeah, I'm going to have a hot dog after this, though. Are you? You really want that hot dog now? Uh, maybe, Not maybe even, like, like, a, like a sausage? Well, I don't have sausage dogs. I just have hot dogs. Okay. I, I literally have them in my fridge. Okay. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. You don't have hot dogs in your fridge I right now. Do not. No. Nor it's sausage. July, bro. What are you even doing? Yeah. Um. Once they're gone, he like closes the blinds, lets Mister Trick in. One of the Balfour's vamps is like hiding in his liquor cabinet and attacks him. Um. So Mister Trick stops him, and I love he's just like, "Why do they always got to be using swords? It's called an Uzi, you chump. <laughs> Could have saved your ass right now." I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they go a little bit over the top with Mister Trick here. What's well, why he didn't last, I think. I I mean, 
I'll just say it. This is an extremely white show. I don't think they really know how to write black characters very well. No, no. Well, and, and yeah, it's it's. I think initially the take on Mister Trick was that he was supposed to be like the modern vamp, but yeah, he's he's modern. He's you know Slayer Fest '98 that kind of stuff. But it's like I feel like then just putting him next to the mayor, they couldn't help but like let's play with ethnic stereotypes. Yeah. Here. Uh, Talking so, about mean, Uzis. Meanwhile, Balthazar's pissed. Uh, the vampire just saw failed, had honor, had courage, and now Balthazar has, has jacked the show for it. Um, he wants vampires to go capture the Watchers and the Slayers. I just want to point out that Balthazar, under all that makeup, is an actor named Christian Clemenson, who was in Briscoe County Jr. He was in Veronica Mars. He was in The Big Lebowski. Uh, he is buried in that makeup. Who is he in Lebowski? He's one of the cops who uh, he's the other cop who says uh, I wouldn't put out much hope for getting yeah. that, uh, that that credence back. Okay, okay, you're right. I, I I'm picturing him now. He's Abel Koontz from from uh, Veronica Mars. Anyway, uh, Buffy's room. Willow wants to go slaying with Buffy. Buffy doesn't want Willow to come because the danger. I mean, you should be worrying about that chemistry chest, Buffy. You just like vanished from that. Well, has uh, she gotten her acceptance letters yet? Maybe that's the next episode. Yeah, I don't think she has yet. Um, Buffy's basically doing that thing where she's like picking the cool girl to hang out with as opposed to her friend. And then Faith is the kind of girl that shows up to your house in the afternoon wearing a vest and leather pants. It shows up like Han Solo, basically. With leather pants. With leather pants, so yeah. Uh, they're strutting through alleyways. Faith has a longbow now. Like she's going to do some like Ted Nugent hunting. Like if you practice on that with an all Faith, it, it, like in an alleyway that just doesn't seem very practical. Yeah. Well, we find out that the, the, the big thing is that Faith went back to the sporting goods store the night last night. They get a weapon. They take yeah. the bow. <laughs> well, we'll see later. She really likes her weapons. Yeah. It's that special yeah. knife from the mayor. Special knife. Um, Giles, what's your talk in the library office? And Wesley's like, I'm not saying you have emotional problems. I'm saying that you have an emotional problem. <laughs> and then Giles, like, very casually just, like, points out that the, uh, like, minions of Balthazar are there for them. Oh, there's a there's a great line here with Giles gets myth. And he's like, if you want to criticize my methods, fine, but you can keep your Snyder marks yourself. And while you're at it, don't criticize my methods. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kind of a crazy shot, though, as they just like glance outside and they're all just like standing stoically watching them. And then lots of fighting in this like kind of, I don't know, back alleyway situation where they're at. And there's like like a video game. Yeah, these dudes just like keep running up like around the next corner for them to stake. And then oh, around the next corner, some other guy runs up and Buffy, like, I think it's Buffy. Faith, no. Buffy grabs this guy and like throws him. And then Faith just like goes for the stake. And Buffy's like, wait, no, but oh, it's too late. Faith stakes the dude. And that is not a vampire. That's the deputy mayor. And now wow. she has murdered him. Ack. Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a county thing. I think it's a Garfield thing. <laughs> That's it not works. lasagna dripping out of his chest. No. And I mean, Faith's um, reaction is very obviously horrified, but um, unwilling to take responsibility. You know, like she she doesn't want to acknowledge that she's done it, even though mm-hmm. it's clearly affecting her. Yeah, that's her defense mechanism, her immediate defense mechanism. I can't remember if it's here or if when she comes back later, but she like puts her finger in the wound. Yeah. Yeah. So they just yeah. get the fuck out of there really quick and they get kind of split up. And then Buffy runs into Angel. And he like, I assume he smells the blood on her because he looks at her hands. Yeah, 
he notices that she has some like Lady Macbeth blood on her hands because she's like tried to stop the bleeding at one point. Yeah, and, and that's why. Yeah, right after this is when Faith circles back to the body and is kind of staring at him, like just she's really fucked up, and she like kind of touches the wound and yeah, make sure it's real. Put your finger in it. Pokes and then more ladling of water on top of Balthazar. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's so gross. What, what if this scene was five minutes longer? Yeah. She's just getting moistened down. Well, like, I love that. Then we cut over and like Giles and Wesley are held captive watching this. And Giles is like, doesn't seem promising, does it? <laughs> Giles just, like, has like no fucks to give right now. Wesley's like freaking the fuck out, but like telling Giles ironically to calm down. It's like, is Giles like so confident because he's like sure Buffy will show up or something? Or, you know, he's been tortured by Drusilla, who like used his dead girlfriend to like erotically pull information out of him. Well, well, I don't remember what uh, Angel used on him, but like some kind of torture. It's like Giles has been through this stuff. Yeah, Balthazar is the small potatoes. Well, not that small, but. I mean, Giles knows that the only way to get through a good torture session is a stiff upper lip and a half a chubby. And a little bit of snark. Um, a little bit of snark. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so more fighting. Buffy shows up. Is Faith here too? Or I think it's Buffy and Angel, right? It's Buffy and Angel, yeah. yeah. Well, because Angel gets the cool intro. Does well, also, also, like, Balthazar says, you know what I want? And Giles says, if it's for me to scrub those hard-to-reach places, I'd request you kill me now. <laughs> and then, like, John, Wesley immediately gives up. Buffy took the amulet. She gave it to some guy. I don't know his name. And, like, Balthazar's like, what's his name? And then Angel walks in. And he's like, the name is Angel. <laughs> the name Ma'am. is Dalton. Yeah. He tips his hat. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, big fight. This is what he... He draws it like Angel in of his like weird powers. I don't think he's going to shove him in his stomach. Yes, that's exactly what he's going to do. Somehow <laughs> Giles, blob. <laughs> Giles gets his hand on a sword. I think this is after like Buffy does the whole like like uh, cuts their restraints like behind their back or something. Doesn't she do that? Wait, she like cuts Giles's for Just sure. Giles, yeah. Yeah. And Giles is fighting with the sword. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He, he de- uh, decapitates one of these vampires. It's like holding uh wesley he's like wesley get down like cuts the dude's head off when he ducks yeah yeah um so before as you said angel could have his whole face shoved inside balthazar buffy saves him by knocking like a light into the pool with him electrocuting the big demon somehow angel's fine after this well i mean the, the electricity shouldn't hurt him it just like it like he gets thrown off as soon as uh the electricity hits in fact if we remember uh, it's when Gwen Raiden electrocutes Angel that his heart starts beating again. Is it? Super hot. Yeah. Does that actually happen in that episode? Oh, wait. Gwen yeah. Raiden. I, I thought you were talking Gwen about uh, Gwendolyn Post. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Gwen Raiden. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, I'm all in on this Gwen Raiden character. And then uh-huh. they, they brought her back in the worst way possible. Um, when you say the worst way so, possible, what do you mean by that? Because you mentioned that a few times. Oh, not the worst way possible. Sorry. I, I, they, they brought her back like mediocrely. I just don't they remember were much so, about her. Yeah. They just like wanted her to... Like they set it up like she could be like a new love interest for Angel in uh-huh. chemistry. And then they bring her back and she's just like kind of flung at there. I think she ends up with Gun briefly. And it's just like, here's Gwen Raiden. She's going to do something for an episode and then she's gone. It's like you could have had a really cool it's character. It like could have been a replacement for a Cordelia type thing, but then just, yeah. No, yeah. She made his heart start beating again. Yeah. I mean, metaphorically, hello. Anyway, so Balthazar does that thing where he comes back briefly and he's just like, you're going to wish that when he rises that I killed you all. And then cut to the mayor doing his ritual. And then uh, they let the vamp out and it cuts his head in half. 
but then whoop, comes right back together. It's like I don't understand why Alan's not here. He's usually so uh, punctual. I like the way Mr. Trick just stakes this dude. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he's like behind. staring in shock. Yeah, and it's it's so casual the way he's just like poke, and then we and then, see the uh, <laughs> the list, <laughs> the to do list from the mayor is call temp agency, become invincible, meeting with PTA haircut. Well, before that, it's Greet Scouts and Plumber Union reschedule. Yeah. <laughs> he gets the cross off, become invincible. Uh, so this officially commences the 100 days. Nothing can harm him until he, his ascension. And he's like, gosh, I'm feeling chipper. Who's for a root beer? And Mr. Trick smiles. Like, I think he genuinely just really likes this guy. You know, I mean, sometimes if you haven't had a root beer in a really long time, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Go have yeah. a root beer. Or even a float. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Buffy comes to visit Faith here, and Faith seems real. The thing where she's Lady Macbeth her shit. clothes in the sink, yeah, yeah. out damn spot stuff from Faith, and yeah, yeah. Buffy's trying to you know have all a heart to heart, trying to you know, blue. yeah, dressing all blue, trying to you know get Faith to acknowledge what happened, and Faith is just like not caring at all. She's like totally like, who gives a shit? And, you know, the whole line about like you don't get it, I don't care. And just mm. credits. Well, she got rid of the body. Yeah, she says she waited and dumped the body. And um, basically just like, you need to shut up about this. It didn't happen. Like, just forget about it. I just don't know how you could have had a scene where, like, Buffy walks in. And there's just, like, feet dangling from the yeah, ceiling. Like, that's, that's, that's just bad. too it's too dark. Because, <laughs> I mean, it really puts it back on... Buffy in a weird way. That would, that would just be horrible. Like, yeah, the kind of the message that sends to you. It's like, oh, you make one mistake, you're gonna have to kill yourself, type thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but credits. That's the episode. So the next one, consequences, is almost like a part two to this one, where mm-hmm. we kind of see deeper into faith refusing to take responsibility or acknowledge what happened. Does she uh, team up with the mayor by that point? I think it is at the end of that episode where like okay. it seems like she might have uh like I don't know come back a little bit to the light and then it's like knock knock she's visiting the mayor. Mm, word. And then one after that's doppelganger land. <laughs> the one with the willow for the dark willow. Yeah. 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 I think it might be a little gay. All right. Well, those are those episodes. Those are all a ton of fun to watch. Yeah. And then we're going to be doing Earshot and Graduation Day Parts 1 and 2 for our next mm-hmm. ones. Uh, let's uh, close out here. Complaints. Uh, well, I mean, I think well, I can intuit what yours would be at the uh, Balthazar. Well, that's my make one change. I'd, I'd just like a different creature design. Uh, okay. Um, it's definitely memorable. If I had a complaint... I felt like the the way Buffy is suddenly like kind of distanced from Willow and hanging out with Faith and Willow's getting left out, it felt a little abrupt. It felt like it all happened over like half an episode when it could have stretched that out a little bit. Yeah, I mean but clearly it's like it sweeps, so we gotta get to the big plot stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean I I feel like there's there's always like a faith episode that feels like it's missing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, there's, like, I know when, uh, is it Gingerbread, where it's just, like, Faith's just on one of her, her you know, walkabouts, walkabouts yeah. where she's not a guest star this episode. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, all right. So power rankings, I got 13. I have 12. All right. Well, my number 13 is certainly going to be higher on yours then if you didn't uh, forget to listen. Wesley Wyndham Price. Uh, yeah, he's on my list, but not there. Okay, okay. cool. Uh, yeah, my number sorry, twelve. Wesley. My number twelve is Joyce. Um, okay, mine too. Partially, partially because of Gingerbread, and uh, just she's not really in the other episodes oh, that much. Man, gingerbread. Willow's mom in that is so horrible. I mean, so, like, so I, I, dismissive. Yeah, yeah. I still laugh at the. Uh, we should really get coffee after this sometime. I like to stay in touch. Well, the way Willow's mom like. Willow's like trying to tell her mom about her life because her mom clearly isn't paying any attention. And the mm-hmm. mom is just like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, I've read in articles about how this is the way teens act out. It's certain, like it's so like dispassionate and impersonal. It's like, yeah. this is your daughter, lady. What the fuck? Well, also the, uh, oh, I, I, I see that you cut your hair off. It's really cute. Thanks. I did that back in August. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 11, I've got the first evil. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Mr. Trick. Okay. He's my number 10. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is Wesley. Oh, wow. Wow. Sorry, Mr. Trick. You got beat up by Wesley Wyndham Price. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the thing about Wesley is like, do I like this Wesley, this iteration of Wesley? No. But like this, you're not necessarily supposed to like him. He's doing what he's supposed to be. He's like true, the kind of true. the foil of a certain way. And it's like, Based on this episode, do I want to watch more scenes of him being the foil for Giles? It is weird others? that they yes. they immediately go to like like the whole like Cordy jailbait thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I don't, I don't remember. I think somebody eventually dresses him down, right? I think Giles eventually talks like does I mean, the like, thing that you want other male characters to do on these these situations. Yeah, or real he, life. I mean, like immediately, like Buffy and Faith are both like two words: jail and bait. You know. I think I think Giles says that, right? No, no, no. Faith says that. Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, I think later Giles also dresses him down. I which think is, there's you know, like a yeah, he completely eviscerates him, as I recall. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, again, it's like I think a lot of people they don't realize it's like, oh, I don't like this character. It's like, yeah, but do you like not liking this character? Uh-huh. Is this is this well written? Is this like something you want to see more of, et cetera? I mean, it's how we, you know, we're not all trained to talk about TV the right way. Or or is it a character that's not working and kind of bringing the show down type of thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know why this is my first example, but like Shauna on PLL. I don't think that character <laughs> totally Shana, worked. Yeah. I was thinking about her too. That's not I don't fair. know why she's the first one that came to my mind, but like, yeah, like Shauna didn't totally work. I think the problem though, the reason she didn't work is because they didn't want to define her at all. Because yeah. I think they, number one, didn't know what they're doing with her. And number two, like wanted to keep that mystery. And so she just ended up it's like, why are you here type of thing, you know? And again, I don't want to gang up on Emily's girlfriends, but like uh, Samara, you know, I like Samara, but it's like they weren't, they had her on a different show. The conversations she was having of Emily were not the conversations Emily was having, you know, with the rest of the show. I'm trying to think so. like as far as Buffy, like the characters that don't work. I mean, I would include Riley, but obviously he yeah. has his purposes. Yeah. Um, Kennedy was rough. Trying to think of like the major characters they just didn't like on this show. Like uh uh Jesse would have been one of those characters. Yeah, Jesse absolutely would have been. Um and it's just, you know, like yeah, like they they just don't have their place. Like I, I think the it's a shame that her screen times are reduced, but the way they're still able to work Cordelia in as kind of like a Draco chorus uh-huh, uh-huh. commenting on the rest of the characters, I think is really interesting. Um 
Yeah, I mean, it's just characters have a certain place. And they either work or they don't. It's not just about like, I don't like that character. I, mean, I don't like them as a person. I think eventually she started to fit in, but for a while, Dawn was a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like, we'd all kind of like grown up with the characters and then mm-hmm. we're back to like, like if Dawn was like, what, like a freshman or something, you know, it's like, we're back to this very young viewpoint that just, yeah, didn't click well. Cause there's, there's that, there's the point where I think the fans were like dreading the, idea that dawn would become like the new slayer yeah yeah that and then give me some kind of handoff and then there was a certain point where the show specifically called out like hey dawn you're never going to be a slayer or whatever and yeah. it was like this kind of weird like hey audience we heard you <laughs> it's like oh that's i don't know I you know feels- who i never liked and i'm sure we'll we'll talk about it when we get there uh ben uh, oh, glory's yeah. alter you know yeah. ego or whatever i ben just i he never worked for me at all i never liked him well it's like is he supposed to be like a love interest for her or what like it it, yeah it never really like his half of it never really played very well yeah yeah no, ben and giles very, saw to that uh giles took care of that for us <laughs> giles is like lay still boy i'm gonna do what the writer should have done to you 10 episodes <laughs> whereas i fucking love glory i'm just glory's right great now. yeah i fucking love her although i do i do think that a problem that the show got into later was like kind of like trumpeting their big bad a little too soon mm-hmm. and like not letting things develop. Like it, it, it can start to get too serialized, I think. Well, it's like the, the, the one we talked about last week, we're like, we know obviously we weren't doing the introductory scene, but it's like, here's just one scene of the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's very brief. Like we're really easing him into the plot line. And most of these episodes are still self-contained. I think, yeah. You know. It's like, Hey, I'm a character. It'll be a more important five episodes, but. Cause I do think by right. the end, I had heard Glory talk about her key a little bit too much. Like yeah. her and her key. Well, it just, it made her, it, it took away from her because it made her seem. One note. Yeah, well, not good at her job, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't find your key for half a season, I don't care anymore. And then like then she becomes like the fucking Terminator. Um, Dracula was one of those characters who just didn't work. No, it did not at all. Ugh. Yeah. What number are we on? Uh, sure as a mayor okay uh i also the mayor at nine yeah yeah yeah. okay number eight a little low this week but uh i don't know maybe i should have written her higher just for that one ether of uh, xander there but cordelia oh interesting uh at eight i have the first evil oh wow okay i i said i really like this character i really like the idea of this this villain um I don't think going into season seven, I knew who the villain was going to be. And I remember watching the end of the season premiere, that episode as it is the shifting. And I was just like clapping like a, like a happy little boy. Like, Oh shit. I think this is the first. Yeah. That was a great little like monologue. Yeah. I remember that. It's about power. Well, the the way it it shifted through each person, it was each big bad. Yeah, it wasn't like they were just saying one long monologue from a single personality. Like they they reached themselves in it. Yeah. Well, and I like the way it was almost again like like uh, the Man in Black on Lost, where it's like the first kind of takes on the personality of whoever they're appearing as. Um. Yeah. All right, number seven. I've got Oz. So at seven, I have Cordelia slash Oz because okay. they both have so little screen time. Okay. Uh, this is maybe controversial. Number six, Willow. Didn't oh, feel like she had a whole lot to do in these three episodes. 
Interesting. Interesting. Uh, who do I have here at six? I have, oddly enough, I have um, Xander. Okay. Okay. Who's who's definitely moved up from where he's been on my list previously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the, absolutely Xander's best run so far. Uh, number five, I've um, got Angel. I do do as well. And I, I, it's weird. Amends is a great episode and I feel like it really sells Angel the show and Angel the character as a concept. I don't know that we're really unlocking Angel the character as much. You know what I mean? I don't and, know. In like these other not, episodes, he's he's. Well, I think they they basically do a good job of just kind of like keeping him in the show. He can serve an interesting utility without so much of the melodrama in like the in like the Zeppo and uh, this episode. Uh, Bad girls. Well, I, mean, I, I just mean like in Amends, it's like obviously you're getting kind of like a like a backdoor pilot to his show. And it's like, I don't know that I really know who this character is, like the non-Angelus version of it, but like, I definitely get there's almost like a a Highlander concept where it's like, he will be dragging his past through the show. Um, With Doyle. Yeah. Uh, Number, what was your number five? That was Angel. Angel, okay, yeah, so same. Uh, Number four, I've got Giles. Okay, number four, I have Willow um, because she's Willow, and a little bit of Willow still goes a long yeah. way. So controversial here. Number three, I've got Xander, which I feel like this is probably the highest he's ever going to be. But I did think this was a really good stretch of episodes for him. Yeah, um, I mean it's a Zeppo. Like Xander, if he can't crack the top three with the Zeppo, then what are you doing here? You mean me? What am I doing here? I mean Xander. What is he doing here? Oh, okay, I was the same host this podcast with yeah. you. you have to call me out on the air what are you even doing fuck. here on this podcast fuck who are you yeah uh number three i have um faith okay huh so you must have giles at two then right i do have giles at yeah two. i've got faith at number two i almost put faith at number one but i think buffy slash cylinder shell geller's work in amends is just too strong yeah well even um Bad girls to me. It's we haven't totally focus, got into the faith of it yet. Yeah. The, yeah, the focus is still on Buffy and how she reacts. Giles is higher than Faith for this run of episodes for me because his little moments are great. But again, just his one scene of Angel in Amends. Uh-huh. And you know, like the, like you said, how do you do that scene and not crack the top three? And he gets the fence. So. And he gets and the he, fence. He's like having Wesley around instantly makes him so much cooler. Which, yeah, that's definitely how I felt at the time watching the show. Rewatching the show in general, I'm just like, yeah, we didn't need Wesley for Giles to be cool. I, mean, I think fucking I, cool. I think both things are true. Giles is already cool, and having Wesley around makes him even cooler. True, true. But I mean, I think when I was a teenager, because I'm like the same age as Buffy, I looked at the teenage characters more. It was almost uh-huh. like he was like one of the adults on the OC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I become a disgusting old man. Um, I look at the adults on the show. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely like, uh, what is it, social network that I like having you around next to you, I feel tough type of thing between Giles yeah. and Wesley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better lawyer up, asshole. I'm not coming back. I could watch that movie again. Yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, number one, Buffy, obviously. I mean, yeah, yeah. Will there ever be a time when she's not number one? I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see if there's a certain selection of episodes or like, I don't know. I mean, who could even possibly rival her, like Willow, maybe? Maybe um, maybe Faith and, like, this year's Girl, Who Are You? No, probably not. 
because I I think SMG fucking murdered those episodes. When she's playing Faith, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, there is possibly okay. This is this is let me let me let me do the caveat here because this yeah. is going to be controversial. Okay, there is possibly a string of season six episodes where Spike. Spike has possibilities. I don't know if season six would be where I'd go. Not the but, end of season yeah. six. <laughs> Let me say that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like there's parts in even in that run. There's the stuff, the scenes of him and Anya. Um, I really like the stuff of him in the finale. It's it's the one episode, obviously, is the thing that's so hard. It's that's the hardest lump to swallow. Well, the amazing thing about that episode, it's incredibly controversial. We're talking about scene red, uh, which spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Spike tries to sexually assault Buffy. Uh, also, in that episode, is a just like a huge, like uh, top of the bulletin board, barrier game moment with Terra there. Like it's mm-hmm. both in the same episode. Like yeah. it's like wow, you just you want to piss off all your fans at once. And I mean, I feel like to the point where like we're going to mention this episode every single episode till we get to it because it's like I I'm thinking about that moment and how I remember it and it's like psychologically we can talk about what's leading him into the moment. And, and I think it's, it's justified up to a certain point where the show is gone, but then obviously it crosses the certain line that it's not justifiable whatsoever. To me, it just, I, I, I thought about it from every angle I can think of. And the bottom line is it just leaves an incredibly bad taste in my mouth. Like absolutely, no matter absolutely. what you're going for with the story you're trying to tell. And I realize that, you know, serious issues you want to address and whatnot. It just, it didn't they didn't nail it let's put it that way yeah yeah but i mean you, you understand what i'm saying it's like i get what they're initially starting with there because of how that season's gone but like again it, it crosses that line where it stops there's no there's no justification there's yeah. no way that's okay and then they're still playing with it in season seven in beneath you i mean he has the one line where he's crazy and he's just like get it hard service the girl yeah. and it's like Again, I understand the storyline that you were playing, and I know how you're saying he was coming from it, but at the same time, that was incredibly icky, and you're making us relive mm-hmm. that moment. Uh, but I think it's it's you know praising Marty Noxon, who I believe wrote that episode. It's it's brave storytelling to to deal she with. Did, she didn't do C in red. She did not do okay. that. Okay, no. that was who, who wrote that? I think it was like Doug Petrie or something. I'll look it up. It was it's, like it was for the controversy in the episode it was surprising that it was just kind of tossed off Mm -hmm. as just another episode type of thing but i mean in a way that the show is dealing with what how these young people are growing and like the supernatural metaphors for what they're dealing with okay steven s tonight okay um is he the guy who did the daredevil show for a while who like followed drew goddard i think he might be yeah yeah i think he took over after Drew Goddard, let me look that up to confirm here. But I, I, I obviously that's a storyline that like yeah a yeah lot he's of, a daredevil showrunner. A lot of young people, you know, it, it have resonance for them. I mean, it should. It's it's not you know we should talk about sexual assault issues yeah, I mean, we'll, in society because that's not how we're going to race. Anyway, whatever. We'll get there. We're going to get there. But yeah, we're going to talk. We're going to have a scene red corner. In case you were curious, you know, we've mentioned it without explicitly stated our opinion uh ultimately a big thumbs down there on scene red yeah yeah and also we're not necessarily the best people to discuss it i sure yeah it would be nice to get some guests on this pod we should maybe see if uh anyone wants to hop on with us yeah 
if anyone would take pity on us and join us to talk about Buffy. Alicia Dushku is married to some guy who's in his mid fifties. No, it's not Rick Fox. That was some CEO. Yeah. Really, a CEO, huh? Yeah, he's like fifty six. She's forty something. She's thirty nine. Oh, she's my age. She's your age now. (laughs) How's that? Could you could you be married to a fifty six year old CEO? Uh, I don't know. I never really considered it. Well, yeah, it's out there. It's waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's face it. We're going to die alone. Yeah. The Rona. Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's 4th of July. And we're talking about Buffy on a podcast. You bet your ass we're going to die alone. <laughs> what better things could you do on the 4th of July? Apparently be out on your street firing off COVID. You know, if I wasn't doing this podcast, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be out driving because here's the thing. It's it's unsafe to do. I realize that. But it's really cool to watch fireworks while you're driving. Like the big kind that, you know, explode in the air. Like the the, the motion, like if you're on the freeway driving, you're just seeing like fireworks explode kind of around you as you're driving past them. It's super cool. I think they probably should pay more attention to the road. But, you know, maybe you can have somebody else drive. I think they've canceled most of those shows, though. What are all these fucking explosions I'm hearing then? I don't know. But, like, I know the big one in town, they canceled. Okay. And they canceled in a kind of a shitty way where they're like, don't worry, everybody. We'll have twice the fireworks show next year. That's fine. Whatever. That's like, I, I want everyone to survive next year. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Anyway, we'll be back next time with Earshot and Graduation Day. Until then, have a good one. Peace. Bye.